This is LBC, leading Britain's conversation with Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC. Text 84850. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. Doc Cotton out of EastEnders. Uh, not really out of EastEnders, just that she couldn't afford to live there if, of course, we were based in reality. Michael Schumacher is out of the coma. Speak English, please. The MPs are telling the immigrants. The royal family dress up as this Order of the Garter. I mean, they look ridiculous. I mean, I'm so sorry. You shouldn't really be laughing at them, but they... I mean, Prince Edward dressed up with pom-poms and plumes and everything else. It just looks like bad drag. Uh, and dying at 30, a father whose mole was ignored by doctors. Zayn Malik posts a, a selfie. Oh, had a great day, really fantastic day. And here's a selfie of me. Looks out of his mind, I'm afraid. Oh, and, um, and just the ticket. How much does it cost to actually buy a concert ticket these days? All of that and more this morning. And, in fact, we take your texts and emails between now. Everything you've heard about the programme is true. We're fairly lively. We're fairly... We're not controversial. We're just telling you the truth. If you don't like it, then uh, go somewhere else. I, I can't really be bothered to deal with stupid people on medication or anybody who's got an old-fashioned name. You know, old-fashioned... What would be an old... Enid would be an old-fashioned name. Joan is an old-fashioned name. That's a really... That's an ancient person, isn't it? So, One Direction's Zayn Malik showing off his array of tattoos as he treats fans to topless selfie... Um, he just looks a bit of a buffoon, actually. In fact, in this particular picture, he's either he's either an ugly or he's, his head's in another place. We might come round him later on on the free podcast for today. We'll tell you what Nick Ferrari's got later on. And uh, what else have we got for you today? Being Tuesday. Oh, I've got Ronnie Corbett in for an interview later on. Uh, the reason I mentioned Doc Cotton at the beginning of the programme is because I was driving home. I was driving home. I was on the train yesterday. Perhaps I should have been driving the train yesterday. And uh, they say most most soap stars would be homeless if they had to pay real-life prices for the houses they live in on television. For example, Doc Cotton earns about 16 grand a year. There's no way she could afford to live in Albert Square. She couldn't even afford to rent in Albert Square. That would be a £355,000 house. She'd be out on the streets. Factory worker Sally Webster, from Coronation Street, would need to earn £31,000 for a mortgage in Salford, where Coronation Street is set, where homes cost, on average, this'll make you laugh in London, £135,000. Good God, I don't think I've seen a house for £135,000. Never. <coughs> they obviously exist up in Salford. And uh, much of the cast of Emmerdale earn far less than the £250,000 it costs to live in the Yorkshire Dales. A spokesman for the National Housing Federation said many characters would face real struggles to afford rent costs, let alone finding a deposit to actually own their own home. It's true, though, isn't it? You look at it, you just... Because it's only pretend. Soaps are only pretend. They're not real. They're not real. They're just places where they happen to live. But when you actually bring it into reality, uh, none of these people... I mean, because otherwise, they'd be checking, wouldn't they, in Coronation Street. Somebody went upstairs, came down. Different person! They stayed up there for about 13 years in the upstairs of these houses, which don't exist. And then they, they go, oh, look, so-and-so's come back downstairs. And they, they've changed characters over the years. I do like the idea of banning drunks from A&E. Nurses have had enough of it, and I don't blame them. Why should they have to put up with the drunks? Telling you, I'll cut myself. Well, I'll go and put a plaster on it. You know, I'm afraid I'd be a little bit harsh. They have security on a lot of A&E now, just to keep out the violent drunks. You've seen the way that the police have to deal with violent drunks. There was some woman the other day arrested in one of my favourite programmes, and um, the reason she was arrested is because she shouldn't have been driving the car because she was banned, and uh, also because she was a drunk. And so they put handcuffs on her, and she screams the place down in the car, Get off me! Get off me! That's all we heard from her. She was a classy little madam, and uh, it was a bit like watching Big Brother. 
bit like watching Big Brother. My God, there's no class in there. Do you know, I turned it on the other day. I didn't turn on specifically. I was flipping through the dials. And up comes Big Brother. And I thought there was, I thought they'd moved in a load of new people. I hadn't seen half of them before. I'd only seen the, uh, the, I, was, I wanted somebody to say in there when, when they were looking at that Helen Wood character, I know who you are. You're that brass. We know who you are now, but nobody so far has got the faintest idea who she is. They're going to have such a shock, aren't they, when they discover who they've been hanging around with. <laughs> Some of the other people are horrible in there. I mean, they really are horrible. I've noticed that, that Black P, or Pat- I can't remember what her name is, Patricia or something, I think she's playing a game. I've suddenly, su- I watched her yesterday and I thought, you're playing a game. Somebody said, you are the, the house matriarch. She went, oh, I don't know. And I thought, I think, you- I think you're playing the game. Because somebody in there is playing the game, and somebody's obviously been given overall power in the house, but they don't know who it is. They think it could be her, or they think it could be one of the other girls, and whoever it is, they're all trying to find out who it is, so they can they can pick on them or something. I, don't, I haven't quite fathomed out what that was, but they've all got issues. They've all got they've all got issues in that. I can't uh, I can't work out why they've got issues or why most of them don't appear to have any friends. And then you look at them and you listen to them for about an hour and a half and then you think, I now know why you've A, got no friends and B, why you've had to drag your weary, sad old carcass onto a television programme because that's the only friend that you've got in the whole wide world. It's funny. I quite like it, actually. I, 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 I do like that kind of thing. Uh, what else do we have today? I was, I, was, I was going through... I like to whiz through the Metro. It, it generally doesn't take too long. And I feel a bit guilty because I like to read it on the train because it wiles away five minutes. Uh, it's not a bad paper. It's not a bad paper. They've got, um, they had a picture of, uh, of a man, he's a, he's a model, striding up the catwalk uh, at day two of London Collections Men at the Royal College of Surgeons, these poor old male models. Do you think the fashion designers are having a lot? Let's see what we can make the old turkey wear this week. So they put this poor model in the paper, looking like a complete and utter prat. I feel a bit sorry for him. What's a passion killer? What's a passion killer? Apparently, bikes and gym gear on show. You go back to somebody's house, that's a, that's a passion killer. Dust. Children's toys littering the lounge. Oh, that's dreadful. Hate that. Uh, weird memorabilia. An untidy bedroom. Pictures of ex-lovers on the wall. A dirty kitchen or horrid smells. Those are all passion killers. Mind you, I'll tell you the other passion killer. Hilarious. There was a piece in one of the papers today that uh, Katie, no friends, Price, has managed to bag herself a radio programme. Unfortunately, it'll last all of about five minutes because she's got the world's worst voice. She sounds flat and monotone and boring. And what in God's name is her co-presenter doing on it? I've got no idea. He says she's funny. Oh, she's so not funny. She's so not funny. If only she was funny. If only she was funny and had a personality, but you've all seen how vile she is and how disgusting she is. Nothing funny about that at all. If she'd been any good, she'd been snapped up by somebody, but uh, they're not looking for new radio presenters in Mongolia at the moment. Uh, Mrs Brown's Boys the Movies, already set for huge success. Doesn't interest me in the slightest, I'm afraid. Uh, Nicole Scherzinger, who turned up on Chatty Man the other night with uh, Philip Schofield because I think he's on television not enough, and she says she was never called by Simon Calabert being dumped from the X Factor. I figure at some point I'll receive another call from him, she says. Because Simon, well, Simon's moved on. He's not interested in you now, Nicole, I'm afraid. He's now moved on. Cheryl's back. Ooh, he loves Cheryl. Cheryl's back in the fold. And they're trying to overhype the old Newcastle baggage to try and make her something interesting. He said, it's the most anticipated... No, it's not. Unfortunately, it's not. Nobody gives a toss about Cheryl Cole. That's why she was in the, in the political wilderness, as it were. She was stuck outside of the X-Fact. Nobody cared about her. And she's turned up 
I don't know where she got this outfit from. Perhaps that's what the worst dressed in Newcastle are wearing these days. It's really a really chavvy outfit. But there again, she is chav. She can't help it. It's not her fault. It's just the way she was uh, She was brought up. She's never going to change. It's uh, it's just a bit sad that they're trying to overhype her on the X Factor, whereas, in fact, really, she's not much cop at anything. Not much cop at singing. Everybody says exactly the same, don't they? The new single is chronically awful. I mean, really chronically awful. And to watch her attempt at dancing. You know she's a midget, don't you? I mean, she'd be better off in pantomime. Don't try and stretch yourself. Don't try and stretch yourself. Cher Lloyd is back in the country. God knows why. This was the idiot who was on the television years and years ago. And uh, she says uh, she can't wait to have kids. She tied the knot with some bloke at 23. Uh, she's 20. Oh, how lovely. How to, how to completely screw your life up. And uh, she spends a lot of, uh, lot of time in America. Isn't it funny? She's over here now promoting a single that's not due out for over a month. By the time, I mean, I don't think the Cheryl Cole single has been made into ashtrays, won't it, before the thing gets actually released into the shops. And so you look at Cheryl Cole's single and you listen to it and you think, God, it was rubbish. Then you listen to Cher Lloyd. She's not much cop either. They've had to tart her up to make her look half decent. Um, and unfortunately, it's failed miserably. Failed miserably. So by the time it comes out, she'll have disappeared back to America and we won't care anymore. I think people think, oh, I'll just bring out a single and then I'll be a successful pop star. Didn't work for Cheryl, did it? Didn't work for Cheryl at all. Uh, Times on the front page, it's the picture that was running yesterday in the papers about the image uh, of uh, showing ISIS militants, a banned organisation, shooting members of the Iraqi army at an undisclosed location. If you believe it, you believe it. If you don't believe it, you don't believe it. Either way, this is now war crimes. These people should be hunted down and hanged. If it's true, absolutely. Hunted down and hanged. And now America's uh, jumped in on the bandwagon. They're sending people out to Iraq. Because the whole place is just... It's, isn't it awful, isn't it? That they've, they've just completely gone lawless. Completely lawless. You know, trucks pull into villages, out get soldiers, and they just shoot indiscriminately. And uh, you think, I wouldn't want to live there. I'm so glad I don't live there. What a dump of a place. Uh, the surrogate mum is on the front page of the Sun this morning. I'll tell you about her, another vile piece of work. Luckily, she's been jailed, but of course she pitched up on this morning, didn't she? Oh, yeah, there she is. And uh, she's with uh, Holly Willoughby and, and uh, Philip, because quite clearly nobody checked her out properly. That's the researcher's fault. You stick somebody on the television, although I did love the story. Do you know the old prostitute? The 85-year-old. I knew she'd appear on this morning with Philip Schofield. Apparently, when they went to the break, uh, she said to him, uh, you want a free go? She offered him a free go. And so when they came back after, he told the story on Alan Carr's Chatty Man. When they came back, he said, she offered me a free go. He said, I could, she said, I could squeeze you in tomorrow afternoon. Ooh, disgusting old bag. Oh, how horrible was that? Horrible, horrible, horrible. Quarter past four. Morning, every 18 minutes past four. How are you? I ask out of courtesy because I'm polite. Uh, you mentioned the sensational 60s show yesterday, says Noreen. We're booked into see it in the autumn. Alan Mosker, as you said, ex-dreamer, and he compares the show. Seen him lots of times. Brilliant lineup. It's interesting, though, isn't it, that they've got the union gap, but no Gary Puckett. Uh, I didn't read Clive's excellent blog telling how Sam Kelly used to call him. Sam in Twickenham. Oh, it's Sam in Twickenham, is it? Oh, right. You learn something new all the time, don't you? Uh, Danger Mouse is coming back. That's uh, 23 years after his last series. I never watched Danger Mouse, I'm afraid. All that kind of stuff bypassed me. I just wasn't, I wasn't, um, I just wasn't interested. I don't know why. And uh, I do love the bit about poor old Katie Price. 
Pregnant Mama 4, Katie said, listeners can expect the unexpected, total honesty and a very fun three hours. Not with your bloody voice, dear. It'll be the most boring thing on radio ever. I mean, really, really. The worst thing I ever heard once was Jade Goody on LBC. I mean, that was the worst voice of all time. She was partnered with a presenter, who I know very well, and I said to him afterwards, my heart bled for you, and my heart is going to bleed for poor Mark for having to put up with this old baggage. She's, uh, she's so needy. You seriously think she can concentrate for three hours? Oh, dear. she could barely concentrate for three minutes and with that horrible voice. Horrible voice. Uh, so here she is, the heartbroken... Uh, parents. Here they are, the heartbroken parents, Tony and Debbie Carber. They fell for a swindling surrogate mum, Louise Pollard's lies, because they were desperate for a child. Louise Pollard has quite clearly got one or two screws loose, if not the entire toolbox going on here. And uh, she's been jailed for three years and four months. And uh, she's a vile piece of work. Uh, We thought she was carrying our child and she knew how desperate we were. She destroyed that dream. She offered to be a surrogate mum for Debbie and architect Tony after doctors told them they couldn't have a second child. She claimed to be pregnant after just one session of artificial insemination and sent the Carbers a picture of a faked pregnancy test. They paid her £5,000 and then, after they paid her that, she broke off all... Contact After they alerted police, she claimed to have had a miscarriage. Uh, she was a lying old person, as you know. And then she tried to get £10,000 from another couple with similar lies. I mean, she's quite clearly deficient. And deficient, for that read, vile, disgusting, cheap, low life. It's as simple as that. She's a, she's a nasty piece of work, so I'm glad she's gone to prison. I'd have made it ten years. I don't think we should faff around with these people. I think what we need to do... We're having a discussion with the driver this morning about the, uh, about the penalties... No, there aren't any penalties now. You see on television, you know, somebody, you know, drives a car into a neighbour's house, demolishes the garage, and they give them, they give them a community order. You think, no, 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 prison, three years. I'd, I'd love to be a circuit judge. I'd have a field day. They'd be going, oh, God, you've got Steve Allen today as the circuit judge. He's hang em and flog em. No, really. Oh, God, it'll be terrible. It'll be terrible. OK, and you've been found guilty of stealing a piece of popcorn. Ten years! I'd have no hesitation. They'd, be lo- they'd have to build new prisons to cope with the amount of people I'd be throwing inside. You know, surrogate mum, not interested in that side of it. I'm interested in the fact you're a liar and you've cheated a couple. You must be made to suffer, as you've made them suffer quite badly. You knew they couldn't have children. You deserve to suffer really badly. I think, actually, I still think, and I know it's so simplistic, it's, it's gorgeous in the extreme, it's you just literally take these people, you take them stark naked in Leicester Square... Bit of a fantasy going on here, I think. And um, and then you just pelt them with rotten fruit and you get loads of fruit from Covent Garden Market, from uh, Nine Elms, and you say, have you got any old fruit that you don't want anymore? You know, and it, and it's got hard stones in the middle of it and you just pelt them with it. And it could be fun on a Saturday night. Provide endless amusement round here. Cheaper than getting the fun fair back in, wouldn't it? Much cheaper than getting the fun fair back in. 84850, uk. Pictures of uh, well-known Chief Wag herself. This is uh, Colleen Rooney. <laughs> There she is, the old, the old, the old hamster herself. And then you look at pictures of her, and you suddenly realise, my God, they have to airbrush her to make her look half decent. So she's flown out with the boys and with the family and with fifteen pieces of luggage. It's great, isn't it? And the pushchair. And they're, she's, they're going to be staying in a hotel which is five hundred pounds a night. Because if you were living in a really expensive hotel, you don't want them anywhere near you, do you? Because they're going to lower the tone, I'm afraid. And and they're going to fly by private plane to the games. Fri- you know, what's the point? She's an attention seeker. 
She knows that what, what she's doing is detracting from the rest of the team. And as I say, I love the front page of Private Eye, which is the airliner bringing the England team to Brazil. Arriba. And the pilot's leaning out saying, shall I keep the engine running as the team are leaving the plane? And the answer is, you might as well. Mind you, we could win against Uruguay. Don't hold that much hope, I'm afraid. Don't know. I mean, Wayne Rooney was just nothing short of a nincompoop. And that's somebody on 300 grand a week. 300 grand a week. Just not worth it, is it? Not worth it. Michael Schumacher is awake after six months in the coma. Well, that's, as I said before, that was the best thing that we were looking for. That was the thing we were looking for. We were looking for the miracle... We found the miracle. He's out of his six-month coma. It was induced. So they were hoping that things would turn out. What's going to happen in the end? Who knows? We do not know these things. But the papers have picked up on the story I ran with yesterday, that Cliff uh, has decided to play a free solo gig in New York on Saturday after the planned show with Morrissey was cancelled. So Morrissey goes, can't do it because he wasn't well or something. And Cliff fans are going, yeah, because they weren't interested in Morrissey. Who gives us stuff about Morrissey? Nobody cares about him. Well past his sell-by date. But Cliff, 73, said the event, including a question-and-answer session, was a thank you to his loyal fans. A question-and-answer session. What would you want to ask Cliff Richard, ladies and gentlemen? What would be that burning question? So come on, Cliff. Are you? Are you? Come on, you can tell us. Are you? Are you going to record anything from Wuthering Heights? You know, I would want to know that big question. That would be the big question to me. Heathcliff, it's me. Okay, I want to know all this stuff. Are you, Cliff? Are you? Are you going to come out and tell us? Are you? Are you going to tour again? I know 73 is old, but I mean, if he, I mean, he could do a one-night stand in New York, can't you? I mean, you know, it would be nice to think that maybe he, he, he could do a lot of one-night stands. I bet there's a lot of Cliff's fans. And also he... Uh, oh, did you hear that comment? Sorry. Can't beat a nice cup of coffee in the morning. Or a cup of water or just about a cup of anything. Nice cold chocolate milk could go down a bit of a treat now, but I haven't junk, drunk chocolate milk for ages. They used to do a nice one, Nesquik. And then they did Marks and Spencer's do a Belgian chocolate milk. Well, you might as well throw yourself up on the ceiling if you're a diabetic. Guess who said the other day, I'm going to keep on doing my model in Canada? Peter Andrex. Peter Andrex loves his kids. And uh, Peter Andrex. And he was saying, if, if Cliff, Cliff Richard is still doing a topless calendar at 73, there's hope for me. I thought, oh. God, what did they put him on the other day? Oh, it was one of these makeovers, Peter Peter Andre's 600-minute makeover, because it's done over a week now. It's not a 60-minute makeover at all. I quite like doing that. It always amuses me first thing in the morning. And so Pete said he's going to keep on modelling. I went, oh, God. I was reading a magazine yesterday, and it had Pete's world in it. He's off with the Pixies, isn't he, most of the time? He really is off with the Pixies. And so anyway, so now he's with M's. He actually can't use her real name because he probably doesn't know what it is. He calls her M's, and she's like the thing that's changed his life around. Yep, because she's about half your age, mate. And when you're old and doddery and she's pushing you around in the chair and having to change your bag every day, you'll be grateful for somebody a little bit younger. If, of course, it manages to go the course. You never can tell, can you? You never can tell. I like Ali Ross. I like Ali Ross's column. He talks about uh, all sorts of people. Uh, my favourite... Um, <laughs> I can't read it, actually. But uh, all-star Mr and Mrs. Philip Schofield to David Hasselhoff. When is Haley most like to tell you to slow down? Last orders. It's such a good one, isn't it? Oh, the old Hass, the old Hoff, he likes the old bevy, doesn't he? And Haley, well, she's a shop girl. Can I help you with anything there? No, yeah, we have that in large and small size, an atomizer as well. She likes to do that. She's a shop girl, but it's called Mr and Mrs. They're not married. It's just his latest girl that he drags around the world, which is good. And uh, great World Cup insights, Glenn Hoddle. As they say, when in Brazil, do as you would, as the Brazilians would do. Nick Collins. 
Yes, it's hot and steamy in Manaus, but we don't know that. They're not... Small wonder, I was watching it the other day thinking they couldn't put David Beckham in here doing commentary because he's even more stupid than the rest of them. I don't think David Beckham could ever actually do football commentary. Because oh, the ball's coming round here and then go in the net and then it comes out of the net and then we kick it over the other side. And sometimes we go home and I say to Victoria, shall we have another baby? Victoria goes, yes, let's have another baby. So they have another baby. Dan Walker, we heard from Danny Murphy before the game at half-time. Lovely. Phil Neville, the referee, just put down the imaginary line. Great insights. Footballers, ladies and gentlemen, don't you just love them? Don't you just love them? Uh, exclusive, the lads who invaded the motor race boast it was wicked. And here they are, and you know exactly what sort of people they are because they're wearing tracksuits. <laughs> and you know if somebody wears a tracksuit, we are below the waterline, I'm afraid. We are borderline really stupid. You know, Adidas tracksuits, you know, anyth- anybody that wears so-called sporting clothes, and it's generally, generally the ugly birds, isn't it, on the Jeremy Kyle show. There was two of them yesterday screaming obscenities at each other. One, an old woman. You took the mickey out of me, goes this other girl who who really, as I say, was such a leading light in society, I can imagine. Well, certainly in her benefit street. And she was screaming obscenity. You you told everybody I'd had a miscarriage and I ain't had a miscarriage before. And you told lies about me. And then the boyfriend comes on. And the best thing you can say about him is that he still had two teeth left in his mouth. The rest of it was taken up with a huge star on the side of his neck, which goes... Uh, with what Ollie was talking about earlier on, about would you ever employ somebody uh, who's got tattoos over their face? And some bloke phoned up and Ollie said, you know, would you want to be dealing with somebody who's got a huge Spider-Man thing tattooed over his face? And this bloke goes, wouldn't bother me. It was at that moment I decided to do something else and get the xylophone out because I thought things had gone too far. I don't want to be served by anybody with tattoos. If they're not visible, fine. I don't have a problem here. We don't have any presenters on LBC who have tattoos. They might have covered up somewhere, but I shouldn't imagine Ollie Mann has got a tattoo anywhere because his mummy would come down and slap the back of his legs because he's a nice little middle-class boy. You don't, you know, people like him don't have tattoos done. If they do, it'd be a very small one, you know, a kind of little rose or something like that, but they certainly wouldn't have arms tattooed. I mean, David Beckham is chav. That's why he's got tattoos. Any woman who's got them tattooed on her feet... <sighs> Yeah, what is the matter with people nowadays? So uh, I'm afraid uh, I'm I'm with the no, wouldn't employ anybody with tattoos. I just don't think it's right. Just don't think it's right. It's like, would you ever employ naturists? You know, that's that's a choice, isn't it? As well, LBC News Time, four thirty. Steve Allen on LBC. Beverly says, could Dermato Dreary's trousers get any tighter? I know, he's like all these people. He's like, way, way. He's, he's a bit wandry, isn't he, with his presentational skills? I call them skills. I mean, I'm only joking, of course. And uh, he's, he's one of these people, he's a bit like um, anybody from Essex or anybody. There's a couple of guys overnight who are from Essex. What? And they do the roulette programme. One of them obviously used to be good looking. Now he's looking a bit past it, I'm afraid. But again, none of his clothes fit. They obviously only go and buy what the one set of clothes. It's like watching The Only Wears Essex. None of Joey Essex's clothes fit, or in fact look look decent. But then if you're fairly missing upstairs, you know, then you don't know what you're, what you're buying. Sadly, most of the stories on the programme that's coming up later uh, are about The Only Wears Essex, because they're all out there, the fashion faux pas, the ancient Jessica Wright with her little boyfriend, Ricky Raymond... Still sounding a bit like a cheap Blackpool drag show. Ladies and gentlemen, it's the Ricky Raymond show. I mean, any old family that calls... Yeah, so your surname's Raymond. Why not Neil Raymond? No, Ricky. Ricky Raymond. Kind of rolls off the tongue, doesn't it? Sort of. And so they're all out there, all wearing their bad clothes. You've got poor old Gemma Collins 
still desperately trying to squeeze herself into a size 50, and it's not happening at all. She can't manage it, and she's still looking as fat and bloated as she was before. And, um, and, and the best you can say about the programme is it'll be over again very quickly. You won't need to worry about it for too long. For too long. Uh, Dawn says, you've been speculating that Calabro, winner of this year's Britain's Got Talent, will be bringing out an album for Christmas. Yes, they are bringing out an album for Christmas, by the way. And uh, they're releasing an album much sooner. You can already pre-order it from Amazon. It's coming out 14th of July. It's 13.99. I personally would wait and see what's on it. Because if it's a load of old covers, you don't want to waste your time, do you? So it'll presumably be the song that they did, which is already done and recorded. And they'll be tarting that one up. And then there'll be a few other songs on there. I bet you'd be lucky if you get ten tracks on the album. Because they haven't listed the track listing. They just said you can pre-order it on Amazon, which is how Psycho operates. They just sort of bring out these things at, uh, as, as quickly as possible. And uh, I get uh, annoyed when folks said, our age, says Pat. I just say, my word, you don't look 103. They are silenced. Yes. I said, somebody, somebody said to me once, they said, what are you act your age? I said, if I acted my age, you'd be talking to a pile of dust. That's as simple as that. Uh, I keep getting these things sent about World Cup Day, which is great. Germany uh, 4 v Portugal nil. Germany 4, Portugal nil. Uh, USA versus Ghana. Oh, they are, USA are playing, are they, in this World Cup thing? I had no idea that they did football in America. And uh, today, I'm assuming, it's Group H. Belgium v Algeria at 5pm. Russia v the Korean Republic at 11pm, Brazil versus Mexico, 8pm, and, uh, and I don't know why I've even brought you that, because I'm not remotely interested in any of it. Uh, we're only interested in our game on Thursday, and then the one after that is with, who are we playing after Uruguay? We're playing Costa Rica. Oh, are they good at football, Costa Rica? They beat Uruguay. Oh, my God. Well, there's no hope, is there? I mean, put it this way, if Uruguay beat us, we might as well just, you know, put our hair in curlers and call ourselves Doris. Because we're about as good as a bunch of girls, I'm afraid, uh, afraid playing. And I actually don't know why we don't bring out a girls team. They obviously do a lot better than all our Wayne Rooney. He must be dreading it. Oh, God, the wife's coming out. Oh, the attention-seeking Colleen, the children and the family as well. Oh, God, blimey. Mind you, if you don't actually have anything to do, I suppose best to get out there. Saves Colleen sitting on holiday when she's got another one just round the corner. Um, what have we got here? Oh, the um, this is the Tory MP Nick Herbert at the centre of a TV probe. He used um, the F word on a live daytime television programme. The former policing minister is quoting a tweet from an ex-cop on the Daily Politics programme, talking about fellow panellist Peter Kirkham. He said Peter himself just a day ago described the Home Secretary as a in his own Twitter lines. Presenter Joe Coburn told him, we won't have any more of that. Mr Herbert later said he used the term disapprovingly as he blasted officers' abuse of Therese May, the watchdog. Ofcom is probing a possible standards breach. Oh, stupid man, honestly. How do these people ever make it to MPs? It just beggars belief, doesn't it, really? You look at them and you think, are you really that, that dip? Perhaps I'd say we should all go around and start using that in front of your wife, because you obviously think it's fairly acceptable. I was reading the TV biz today... And uh, they've got a picture of Cheryl Cole looking really rough and uh, Mel B looking really rough. Wearing, I mean, Cheryl is wearing, I don't know what sort of outfit this is. I mean, I, I, something cheap, I think. Uh, the hair looks terrible. So she's obviously taken off some of the fake hair she had for the video. But she doesn't look as, as naff as she did when she went to America. And so now she's got, this is really not a good look. And this is after new stylists. Only 100 people turned up. 
The Express reported less than 100 people turned up. But in all the pictures, they've tried to make it look as though, oh, there was thousands of people out there. They're all really interested in Cheryl Cole. No, they're not. She never contributed anything to the last time she was on. Simon Cowell wearing his usual white shirt and uh, Louis Walsh jeans and a blazer doing his arms crossed across the chest. I think somebody says to him, Louis, Louis Poppet, OK, do the arms across the chest bit. And, and he, just, he just does the arms across the chest. They take a picture. They go, OK, back in your coffin. Pick you up a little bit later on. Uh, there's a new series of um, the auction house coming up. This is down in Lots Road in Chelsea. It's just by the, uh, the, the, the gas works kind of thing. And a, a despotic auction house boss whose antics are followed in this new series uh, says that 20% of his customers complain about him. Overbearing Roger Ross manages to upset super-rich bidders and hardened dealers. He says here, I'm going to be hated. No, dear, you're just a prat. You're just an attention seeker. Don't be so silly. Nobody even knows who you are. In your own tiny little minds, you probably know who you are, but nobody else cares. We saw you last time. I don't remember you seeing you in any of the papers or anything, so you didn't actually make the most of it, did you? Well, you could have done. Wowee! Here they are. God! These Thai ladyboys get better and better. Oh, no, I do beg your pardon. It's the cast of Towie in Mobs. They've gone over there. And here they are. This is uh, little... Little Jessica Wright, still looking a bit naff. Poor old Chloe Sims. I mean, how old is it? What is she, 40 now? She just looks ridiculous. I don't know who the other ones are. Uh, Fern McCann, I think it might be. Lyd... Wait a minute, so we've got Chloe, Jessica, Lydia Dim. God, she can't even find a top and bottom that matches. It's a bit naff. She looks a bit plain. Danielle, I don't know, she's the bleach blonde one who's a bit naff as well. And then Fern, that's the foul-mouthed one, Fern McCann. You remember her? The one every time she opens her mouth is using swear words. And then they had the girls out there. I have to, you have to read what it says here. This is what they've written in the, in the sun. They say, uh, Tom Pierce and Lydia Bright. Later, Bobby Norris and her beau, Durbridge. I had to read it twice myself to make sure they actually said it. Bobby Norris and <coughs> Herbo Durbridge, Gemma Collins, James Arge Argent, still fat and uninteresting, I'm afraid, and Lauren Poppy also flew out. It's lovely. Fern says, people come here and they think they're weekend millionaires. And they're confronted by that load of old Battersea Dogs Home rejects. Lydia says, we all used to give it a miss, but I've been eating loads. Yeah. She's really plain, isn't she, poor soul? But uh, they've only brought her back in to try and liven up the programme, but unfortunately she's got no personality at all. Arge was keen to to win her back, but then he'd, he'll, he'll actually hang around with anybody, won't he? Let's face it, the man who sleeps with Gemma Collins quite clearly has set his standards fairly low, fairly low. I must tell you as well that the, the Pythons, they keep saying all the papers, the shows are sold out. They're not sold out. They are not sold out. And I tell you that now, the reason they say they're sold out is because uh, the booking agents come in and take great swathes of tickets. They say, well, we'll take 500 tickets. So somebody else says, well, I'll take 500 tickets. And then before you know where you are, they say it's sold out. But in fact, they might not have sold any. And unless the agents can then sell them, they're stuck with them. You remember. And I never fail to, uh, to remind people that when Barbara Streisand came over, they were selling tickets, and they said, oh, it sold out within seconds. It did, to all the agents. All the agents bought tickets, and then they were stuck, so there were huge swathes of empty seats where they were trying to over... They thought that people would be willing to spend three or four hundred pounds for a ticket. We ain't that dumb. We ain't that dumb. We've got DVDs. Years ago, we didn't have DVDs, so you would have actually gone along and, and paid good money to see somebody, but not now. Absolutely not now. Uh, eight for eight five oh. Steve at lbc.co.uk. 
Tom says, your David Beckham commentary has seriously made me chuckle. Yes. And uh, it's, it's amazing how many people... See, that's the reason that they don't put Beckham on. Because quite clearly, he's not, he's not the brightest or the sharpest knife in the box. And they know that. That's why when, when they say to it, David, can you do some modelling? Yeah. Yeah, no, can you, we're doing the pants today. Pants. <laughs> no, you're OK. Take, take your shirt and your trousers off, David. Thank you. OK. Show off your butch manly tattoos. Lovely. OK, now you do the pants. Oh, wait a minute. David Gandhi's doing pants. Oh, dear. David Gandhi is butch. David Gandhi is very butch. He's the one who did the, was it the Alice in Wonderland advert thing for M&S or something like that? He's been out with Kelly Brook, but there again, come on, 99% of you listening at the moment have been out with Kelly Brook. Not difficult to pull, is it? You just go, hi, Kelly. Hello, love you. <laughs> you make my heart skip a beat. Lovely. I like the idea that the, uh, the royal family is still dressing up in this ridiculous garter ceremony, brought in by our own queen, I think. So they, they, they give them all, they all become knights of the garter. Uh, or there's somebody, I think the producer described it, one of the rare moments of personality that crept in uh, upstairs, one of the rare moments where he opened his mouth and actually said something that was vaguely amusing, and we all went, ah-ha-ha-ha-ha. Ha, ha, ha. He said, it looks like a scene from Harry Potter. It does a little bit. It, does, it looks like they're getting ready to play Quidditch. So you've got the Queen wearing these, these ridiculous robes, and then by the time you've dressed Prince Edward up, and now poor old Prince William, I think Harry's got a set as well. Do you think they put them on and parade around the bedrooms going, we look stupid, because <laughs> all the pictures, they look, and, you know, and, and they walk down the hill in this stuff like it was some sort of really ancient ceremony. It's the Knights of the Garter, and they sort of give it to all sorts of strange people. Then you have to put these naff clothes on and walk down there. And of all the things they do, this would be the stupidest. The other thing is making Princess Anne look almost butch, I'm afraid, when they dress her up in her almost tricorn hat, and she does the trooping the colour, and you look at and you think, it's almost... It's like bringing out the family. You know, it's for the family, by the family. The Queen has to sit there, and she's supposed to be uh, be inspecting the troops. Oh, I wonder what we're having for tea tonight. Oh, I don't know. I hope it's spaghetti. I hope it's, that'd be nice, spaghetti. Oh, not dirty shoes. Dirty shoes on that one. And she sits there all by herself. The horse could trot round, because it does the same routine every year, and, we all, and the bands play, and that's the best bit of it. Uh, Wayne Rooney is like a corked vintage red wine. Very expensive and no good to anybody. Yeah, I agree totally. He was certainly useless in the first game, wasn't he? Certainly useless in the first game. And now he's got the dreary, chavvy wife going out with the blooming kids. You know, I mean, that's, what are they going to do? The answer is absolutely nothing. Steve, Steve Allen on LBC. So I've now changed my mind. The house that I was looking at in Trafalgar Square, the flat, four double bedrooms, uh, all with ensuite bathrooms, sitting room, spiral staircase, very nice, sort of semi-sort of roof terrace thing, overlooking Nelson's Column, 15 million quid. But for the same price, I can go to St James's, to Birdcage Walk, and buy Sting's house for 15 million pounds, which has got nine bedrooms. That's better, isn't it? Nine bedrooms, and you're on Birdcage Walk. I mean, that would be lovely. You could have your own trooping the colour. You overlook St James's Park. That'd be much better. And then I thought to myself, if I did win the lottery, and I haven't, but I mean, if I, if I did, then I could buy a place that overlooks the Thames. I'd like to wake up every morning overlooking the Thames, you know, watching the boats going up and down. I find that very therapeutic. I find quite a lot of things very therapeutic, and that would be, that would be one of them. I took the car back in yesterday. You should have seen the look on Steve's face. I went in, and I see he was, he was, he was faffing about in the back seat of a, of a, of a rather nice... Uh, uh, rolls, what was it, Camargue, I think, or something like that, which was beautiful in sort of like an ice, an ice silver 
with cream and it was really lovely. And he looked at me and he went, no, no. I said, no, 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 nothing important. He sort of almost breathed a sigh of relief. And what it is, on the underskirt of the car, it had, be- it had come off its clip on the side by the door. And so it was just sticking out a bit. And he went, oh, it's come off the clip. So thank God for that. And so he just puts a little mat down, lies on it, and well, I couldn't do it. I knew what it, what it was supposed to do, and he did that. And so that, that was fine. But the look on his face when I went back in, it's like, oh, he's not brought the car back again. <laughs> so funny. So funny. Um, uh, Wimbledon champion Andy Murray's mother has told of her survival guilt. Am I the only one bored with Judy Murray? She turned up in that dreadful Jack Wiltshire programme the other day, the one that put Jonathan Ross on it, who just looks fat and bloated now. It's not him at all. Perhaps it's because he's had his hair cut a bit shorter. I quite like, in a strange way, Jack Wiltshire's father, who's sort of a slightly eccentric, off-the-wall, borderline death case. But uh, Jack Wilshire, ever since I discovered he didn't write anything, and it's all scriptwriters, I've kind of gone off the boy a little bit. But he had Andy Murray's mother on there. What a dull person. What a dull person. I was quite disappointed. I didn't know who she was to start with. I went, oh, I know, you're Andy Murray's mother. Oh, well. Uh, Ian Highland talking about... uh, In fact, strange enough, he talks as well about uh, Jack Whitehall squirming through an interview with Andy Murray's mum, Judy. Backed, uh, back chat. it was interesting to hear Jonathan Ross giving him this feedback. It's embarrassing. A young man of your age flirting with an attractive older woman. Of course, what Jack really needs to do is wait until he's in his mid-fifties, then start creepily hitting on actresses who are young enough to be his granddaughter. Footnote, Jonathan later told Jack that when it comes to chat show guests, research is the key. Aye, research says Ian Highland, whether the potential guest has the same agent as you, if not, avoid booking them. Because most of Jonathan Ross's guests, of course, were with Addison Creswell, who's not with us anymore, and they were all booked. It was the, it was the same guest. It was his own... That's why Ricky Gervais appeared on there lots of times. Addison Cresswell. It was all the same people, all on Jonathan Ross's show. It was, uh, it was such a feeling of nepotism that you almost cringed with embarrassment. Almost cringed with embarrassment. I almost cringed with embarrassment every time you watch Top Gear and they do the blatant plugs for the cars. And I said yesterday on the programme, and then the BBC turned round and go, oh, we can't tell you what bike David Beckham drove because that would be advertising. Whereas Top Gear, of course, is obviously not seen as advertising. Seem a bit strange. Oh, here the, it is, the, the picture of the, of the garter, Prince Charles looking like... They look like a, they picked him up from a care home and dressed him up. You're, you're going to be wearing this stuff today. Oh, God, Mother, it's just... It's so frightfully hot. It's just... I can't wear it anymore. William looks OK. And in fact, funny thing is, even William's wife's having a good old laugh because she's obviously thinking, you look ridiculous. I mean, he looks like he's wearing the curtains. And, and on the front of the curtains... You know, I've got them at home... Because I'm quite posh. I've got curtains that are sort of... They're, they're what I call fake curtains. They do draw, but I don't have them drawn. They're just in the middle and then parted and swagged. Sounds disgusting, doesn't it? With, uh, but I've got big uh, things that go round there with a big tassel on, like a ball and a tassel. And he's got them here. He looks like he's holding up my curtains. In fact, if the colour was red, he would be holding up my curtains. It's quite funny, though, really. <laughs> it's quite funny. And they, they sort of wear this stuff. And, they, you know, Charles is saying, I don't like wearing this. It's not right. The man who's two put bill, uh, pit bulls killed his pregnant girlfriend, threatened to set the dog on a female social worker. Lee Horner apparently denied the threats but admitted keeping banned animals. Why is it these people are out there? There was a bloke walking through Twickenham. Yes, he had one of these pit bulls. And you knew immediately what sort of person he was. He's got his fag behind his ear, his tattoos up his arm, and he's got socks on with his trainers. Oh, and it was just a pitiful sight. And the dog was taking him for the walk. Not very good. Anyway, he's uh, he's not doing particularly well in this one. More water's on the way. Not really, he's only joking. It's a drought situation. 
Can you believe we're seriously going for the drought situation? I don't know why. I don't know why. Um, here's Got Kwan in the paper today. I still cannot work out, and I'm trying to find... I shall find out when he comes in next. Are his glasses real, or are they pretend? Because some people wear them for an effect, and I can't see, you know, whether or not these glasses are real, or whether he's decided that look suits him. Because some people suit glasses. I suit glasses. I suit glasses. Now, whether or not his are worn because he suits them, I don't know. Whether he actually needs them. Uh, Joey's hairdryer rant at Brazil. This is poor old Joey Essex. Still still doing the lamest programme on the chat. I mean, nobody's watching it. That's the trouble. It's awful. And uh, so they call him... Um, well, in fact, he had a series of meltdowns filming new instalments. The metrosexual fashion lover. He's never worn anything that's remotely fashionable. All of it looks like it's designed for sort of, you know, silly people. And a hissy fit over the lack of electricity, he became stroppy when he realised he couldn't tweet or blow-dry his barnet. First world problems, indeed. The drama kicked off in Rio de Janeiro when Joey couldn't sculpt his famous ream quiff with his hairdryer as he was staying in a, in a favela with limited electricity. Panicking, he headed to a hair salon for a blow-dry, but a miscommunication led to the stylist trying to bleach his locks by mistake. Cue hysterics. An ITV2 source said it was he was petrified. Luckily, the TV crew stepped in before the damage was done, but not before they got some priceless footage. The crisis continued a few weeks later because he couldn't send a tweet or make a phone call. Oh, my God! Apparently, he couldn't calm down until he was back in the luxury hotel room. And they say he hasn't coped at all on this, this trip. He can't cope full stop. The man's an idiot. He's, we're laughing at him. It's really sad that people seem to think that he's, he's interesting and has something to give to the world. He has nothing to give to the world at all. Mind you, talking of nothing to give, I was very angry yesterday. I don't get very angry in Waitrose. Well, I do because the service is so slow on the tills. I mean, it really is. It's like sort of, you know, trying to wake the sleeping beast. And so I read Country Life as I do, and I, I flick through the page, la, 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 and there's a piece about this man in the West Country who makes pies. He was asked to make some pies, but he couldn't make pastry, so his mother helped him make the pastry, and he now makes these pies called Paul's Pies. Paul's Pies. And Paul's Pies are, one of them is, is what they call a party pie for picnics, which has got chicken and sausage meat in it, which sounds quite nice, and the other is a steak and kidney pie, and they're about £3.50 each, it said, available in Waitrose. So I thought, you know, I'll try one. I like a nice pie every so often. So I go into Waitrose, and I'm in there quite early, and so, so, so I, I go to where the, where the pie section is. I might, have, I might have been in the wrong section. So I said, oh, I said, are these the only pies that you've got? Yes. I said, I'm looking for Paul's pies. I said, they, they were mentioned in Country Life that you, they're available in, in Waitrose. Well, they might not be available in every branch. And that was as far as she was prepared to go. She just carried on totally pointedly ignoring. I went, OK, fine, thanks. I said, it seems a bit daft, doesn't it, really? You know, why would they not say, if they're, if they're not available in Waitrose, but only in selected Waitroses, well, then tell me they're only available in selected Waitroses. It saved me trekking around all over the place. But I did trek around. I went to Richmond, fairly upmarket, fairly upmarket. It's got a big Waitrose. About, in fact, our one actually in Twickenham is bigger. But there you go, that's neither here nor there. Uh, a, they don't do the Hellman's mayonnaise with mustard in. You obviously have to go to Tesco's for that kind of thing. So I just have to go back to Tesco's to get that one. And um, so I'm looking around for pies. Do they have Paul's pies? No, they don't have them there either. So can somebody tell me within Waitrose where they do them? And if you don't do them, could you mind telling the, uh, the person who's making the pies that they're not available in Waitrose? Or failing that, they're so popular you've sold out. 
But a uh, little bit more care on behalf of the staff, you know, might actually encourage good public relations. Don't want to complain about it too much, for goodness sake. It's only a pie at the end of the day. But if it says available in Waitrose, I expect it to be available in Waitrose. It's like saying Steve Allen is on LBC and you turn on and discover Steve Allen isn't on LBC. Which, of course, he is. I'm only saying that just in case you've turned on now and you might be on medication and you might be a little bit confused by things. Um, uh, Andy Murray, I think that he's... Yeah, well, his mother's even worse. I mean, I love the way she's turning up as if she's some some sort of uh, person. Dorman Dom... Says, uh, I got stabbed Sunday night. Eight stitches. Dear me, where were you? Where were you working? Not very good, I'm afraid. Not very good. It's ridiculous. You shouldn't have to stand there as a doorman and get eight stitches. That's just appalling. And he says, you are the tonic at the moment. I'd rather be the gin, I suppose, than the tonic. But that's not very good. So he's recovering at home at the moment. What sort of person goes out who's got a knife on them? What sort of person goes out with a knife? Oh, incidentally, remember yesterday, I said that on the Sunday night, some little lowlife had been round Twickenham and sprayed above NatWest's cash machines, ISIS. And somebody thought, very unwisely, it was is-is. We thought it was some little moniker from some little person who can't read or write. And it turned out to be ISIS. So anyway, NatWest Bank yesterday, quite wisely, covered it over with a piece of brown paper. Because they couldn't obviously find anybody to clean it off. Uh, as opposed to phoning the council. Mind you, the... Um, the place over the road, I can't remember which one it is, I'll have to tell you tomorrow, which I think is a building society stroke bank, they've just left it on their windows. They haven't even made any effort at all to get it off. No effort at all. Perhaps, perhaps the staff in there don't know what it says. Perhaps they just think it's somebody doing a moniker. Perhaps they don't know what it is. But now it's an illegal organisation. I felt like going in there and saying, why have you not cleaned that off your front windows? You're a disgrace. Where's, where's, the, where's the head office? Let's get the head office down here and find out. You know, you need to get these things sorted out. You don't leave them on there, do you? just not good enough. Uh, Len says, a while ago you mentioned Lots Road Power Station. Is that the one that made history by the site of the UK's first independent radio transmitters, the London Broadcasting Company? I don't think so. We were never in there. We were at, um, we were Crystal Palace. We were, well, I'm sure we were Crystal Palace. Somebody sent me a picture of it once. Well, I think, yes, I'm sure they did. I don't think we were ever down by the Lots Road Power Station. It's funny that area, isn't it? A friend of mine used to have a house down there, worth a small fortune now. And you go down there and you go over this sort of dirty, horrible area and then all of a sudden you're into a posh hotel. It's quite good. Uh, Soren says, uh, listening to you from my Steve Allen outreach project here in uh, Ibsen, Belgium. Please wish my mum well. She's in hospital at the moment. I shall be over shortly to support her. So he's in, he's in Ypres, but also he's been London and Bournemouth. Have you still got long hair? Have you still got long hair? I think you should send me a recent photograph. Definitely. So he's, he's at the Steve Allen Outreach Project. <laughs> I like the idea there's an outreach project for Steve Allen. Oh, Neil's back with us. We'll have a mention of him, uh, I think, in the, in the next part of the, uh, the programme. And, uh, and we'll also tell you, uh, Robot Bob is going on security duty. I knew you'd be thrilled. Still plenty more to come on your second early morning breakfast show of the week with LBC. It's Steve Allen, Lisa Aziz, here at 6.30 with the morning news. A major survey of social attitudes shows people's views on immigration are getting tougher compared with a decade ago. 95% think you can't be British if you don't speak English, which is a rise of 9%. Also, I think a quarter of people believe that immigrants only come here to claim benefits. New crackdown on fat and salt in school meals, along with a complete ban on sweets and canteens. The government's new food standards requires vegetables and salad to be offered daily, along with limits on fried food. Danger Mouse is making a comeback. Ran for more than a decade until 92. From LBC, I'm Steve Allen. All that and more is next.
This is LBC, leading Britain's conversation with Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC. Text 84850. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. Nice to be company. Welcome along. The second early morning breakfast show of the week from LBC with Steve Allen until 6.30. Do you buy tickets online? Have you noticed the huge markup? Well, now they're being asked to justify their fees. Some of them, even if you print the tickets yourself, they have the audacity to charge you £2.50 for that. It's a total rip-off. It really is. Oh, and I've got the best house for you in the London market. We had Sting's property the other day. Today, ladies and gentlemen, I offer you the last home of Baroness Thatcher. £35 million. I'll tell you how much she left in her will. You might be slightly surprised. And the fact that this home was registered offshore, thus saving the family millions. It's legal, but it's not nice. Interestingly enough, this was the... I mean, this one will appeal to quite a lot of people. It's in uh, Belgravia, Chester Square. I used to go past it all the time. You knew it was Baroness Thatcher's house because it had a police officer outside. Um, There's no other property that can boast it was the final family house of Lady Thatcher. And one uh, recently went on the market for £25.5 But this one, they're going to incorporate the muse behind it and they're going to dig down two layers as well. (coughs) Excuse me. I presume to put a swimming pool in. Uh, While it's thought the previous owner was the Thatcher estate, it's never been entirely clear as the house, wait for this, was registered in the name of a British Virgin Island-based Bakeland Property Company. Intriguingly... The title deed stipulate it may not be sold without the consent of the previous owners. Reports soon after Lady Thatcher's death suggested the family may have legally saved millions of pounds in inheritance tax from the offshore property sculpture. How much do you think Lady Thatcher left? How much money do you think she left in her will? I mean, bearing in mind that Dennis was absolutely stinking rich. Money was something they never need to worry about. All she left was £4.7 million. That's all she left. I reckon there was a whole lot more than that. They'd have to be. They reckon that at the moment, just in the past few years alone, Blair has cleaned up to the tune of 20 million. So Baroness Thatcher, especially with Dennis being very successful, I'm not sure how successful Cherie Blair is, but uh, they say it was owned offshore. Dennis moved there after an ill-fated effort to live in East Dulwich. I think they paid something like 4.16 million. It was on a short lease. So uh, the intriguing story of how this house will make it to 35 million is, uh, is, is going to be very interesting. And if somebody can unravel it, which they probably will, that'll be private eye, it'll be a case of finding out exactly who owns it. Was it Baroness Thatcher? Was it owned by somebody else? We shall find out. Um, apparently, here we go. The BBC boss, Lord Hall, has pledged something very special for everyone as he announced a major new commitment to music from Glyndebourne to Glastonbury and Northern Seoul to Nashville. And uh, it's a whole load of new concerts and documentaries on Kate Bush and Genesis. You know, Genesis are getting back together again. Combined age, about 500 and something, but they're going to get back together again, together with Phil Collins. That'll be lovely. So they're going to have this new programme. George Michael will give concerts. Well, if he can, because he's not particularly known for giving concerts. And a documentary on Kate Bush. This is the reclusive Kate Bush, all of a sudden isn't reclusive. And I don't know when the concerts are, but they must be, ke- they must be coming up fairly... Fairly shortly, mustn't they? I would think. Um, people are probably looking forward to them. I'm, I mean, I'm a big fan of Kate Bush, but I've not been a fan of anything. I discovered another guy the other day. Well, it's, this isn't anything new, uh, but I'm, I'm listening to him more and more. Josh Groban. 
absolutely... For listening to in the car, I'm singing away in Italian. I'm doing everything now, so I've just bought him in, in concert. He sings... I mean, he sings beautifully. I don't know whether he is Italian. I know nothing about him at all. Um, but he does some, some really, really lovely songs. I mean, really good stuff. And if you want to, to check him out, he does a song called Anthem from Chess. And he did it on the Royal Variety performance. I think it must have been a couple of years ago. And it's worth going to YouTube and putting in Josh Groban Anthem. And then you, uh, then you get it back again. And you must, you must watch it because it's, it's, he's a really good singer. Uh, I had my CT angiogram yesterday, says Neil. Staff at the London Chess Hospital, brilliant. I've just got to wait for the results. He says, is the car still away? No, no, it's back. It's, it's all fine. It's all fine, thank you. <laughs> After the two-week wait and then the radiator falling apart. But anyway, apart from that, it's, you know, it's all going good. It's all very good indeed. So good, uh, good luck with the angiogram. That's where you have to stand there, isn't it? And they put all these stickers on your body and then you start walking and then, oh, dear, it's very tedious. I've had it done a few times. I've had it done a few times. I'm getting there. Getting there with it, but it's, it's never easy. What's an old hippie supposed to do, says Rick? I've got a dusty bedroom and untidy kitchen. But I've found the biggest passion killer is my solid pine coffin. I've had to move it from the bedroom to another room as it seems to turn them off. Some, you're not the first person I've heard who's actually bought a coffin. They're very difficult to buy. Very, very difficult to buy. A lot of the manufacturers of coffins will not sell them to people because the coffin itself is worth about 60 quid. When, it's, when they finish with it in the funeral directors, it turns out to be about five to seven hundred pounds. Because I used to work in a department store for my sins years ago, and we used to have a funeral director, and they used to have the, uh, the coffins delivered, the pine boxes delivered, or whatever they were made of, oak or whatever it was. And then they would have a whole box full of handles, which you put on there, which were always plasticised, but they were made to look gold. I don't know why you'd worry about that. It's the person inside the box you'd be worrying about. And then you'd put sawdust inside... And then you'd have a staple gun and you put in the silk and you go all the way around the outside and then ribbon over the top and then there'd be a little cushion inside there. And that would be it. Make you comfy as possible. So that's quite nice, doesn't it? And, uh, but some people actually attempt to buy them, but they are very difficult to get hold of. Very difficult. A lot of, if you contact a manufacturer and say, can you sell me a coffin? They generally won't. They generally won't. I remember somebody doing a feature on it a long time ago. And these woodland burials are very popular, aren't they? Where they pop you in a wicker basket. I don't want to be popped in a wicker basket. It looked decidedly unsteady. But they, uh, they do things like that, and then people have these nice spiritual kind of things. I've been to a humanist funeral. That was good. My Auntie Joan was hum- humorist, which was very good. Uh, 84850, Steve at uk. Karen Gillian may have become an L.A. lady on screen off, moving to California to play a socially media-obsessed valley girl for a new sitcom called Selfie. It's a new word, isn't it? Selfie. Everybody's doing selfies at the moment. And here's a picture of somebody else doing a selfie. And this is somebody called Chloe Grace. Chloe Grace Moretz. I believe that uh, Cheryl Cole was doing some selfies the other day. Um, I don't know why people do them. I suppose they're just interested, aren't they? They like that, uh, that, that kind of thing. Uh, so who... Who was spooked the other day? None other than Claire Balding. She spotted a giant black cat while she was making a radio show. She claimed the scary beast appeared out of nowhere and looked like a panther. I don't know where she was making this radio programme. She was at a a beauty spot. There had been a wave of big cat sightings. And uh, some people say this could be a panther. It'd be very unlikely. It'll just be a big cat. And the reason I say that is because a panther, they're huge. And you would hear them, the noise they make. I've been next to a cage, as you know, down at the Cats Protection League, down in the countryside, where this man's got all these 
rare cats in cages and he's got a black panther. When this thing opens its mouth, it puts the fear of God into you. You could hear it miles away. You know when you go around Regent's Park, you can hear the lions in the morning. Well, you can, you can certainly hear panthers. When you're up close to them, it's even worse. It's even worse. 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. There's a, a woman here talking about her son who's got behavioural problems. In fact, he's nine. He keeps trying to kill her. She's had to hide all the knives. He pushed me in front of a lorry on the way home from school. She doesn't know where it's going to end. His name is JJ. He's been excluded from school for violent incidents. I mean, he's quite clearly got some mental illness. She says, all I could see was prison for him. I've restrained him four times a day. I was living in hell. He has mental problems. He needs to be understood, not given a good whack. Um, Because you get badly behaved children, don't you? You get very, very badly behaved children. and But this one's quite clearly got mental issues. So she's had to hide all the knives. He quite clearly has got it in for her. But then not all the time. It would only be occasionally. But why is there no help for these people? I was reading a story earlier on about a man who uh, is going to die because doctors failed to spot a mole that he had. And the, and the mole turned out to be cancerous. And that's why they say you should always... You should always check if you've got a new mole or it's an old mole. I'll forever, if, if I sit in the shower, sit in the shower, <gasps> what am I saying? Uh, if I stand in the shower, uh, which I don't do very often, I d- you do look at your body, don't you? Well, perhaps I look at mine more than most people. I spend my ages looking for, you know, moles or anything like that. As you get a bit older, you want to check for these sort of things. If something new pops up, I'm the first one in the doctors. What's that? What's that? Show me what it is, which is good. Uh, no influencing me today, says Mary. Josh Groban already in my collection. He's very good, you know. He is very good. I recommend it for, for all people who are travelling on car journeys. It's very it's very therapeutic. Very therapeutic. Uh, Sean Williams is concerned about swearing. Any swearing before 9pm and the television goes off, she says. See, why is it that they can have swearing on the television at 9pm, but yet on radio you cannot have swearing? Why? What is the difference? What is the difference between somebody coming on air and swearing after nine o'clock? I mean, I'm not saying that I want to turn on Clive Bull and listen to him sort of doing a whole list of expletives, but I'm just wondering why it is that it's okay for television programmes and the language gets a bit ripe on lots of them. They, They do bleep things out, but I've heard lots of words on some of these... Geordie Shaw programmes and reality shows and stuff like that, and on Big Brother. Why can't you do it on radio? What's the difference? Why would there be any difference at all? Boss listening at them and going, please, please don't try it. Please don't. I'm just curious, though. Just curious as to why you can't do it on the radio, and yet you can do it on the television. I know a friend of mine used to work for a TV company, a very well-known TV company, and he would have to listen to pop songs and take out the swear words and bleep them out. So if a new song came into the, the charts, he would have to go through it. He'd have to go, oh, bleep, bleep. And they, they would have the words supplied. It's very interesting because he, he got home one day and he said, oh, I've just deleted, you know, three swear words in this song by so-and-so. And his daughter said to him, but there are seven times. He went, seven? He said, you're joking. She said, no, 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 there's some just near the end. He went, no. He had to immediately go online and try and do it online, take out the extra swear words. That he, I think he became just immune to the whole thing. Terrible, really. Uh, so after the wettest winter that we've had with the floods and, and people going, are we finally back to normal, Steve? The answer is yes. You can breathe a sigh of relief in Walton and other places on the side of the Thames. Now they say we're facing a drought. You watch later on. There's going to be a hosepipe ban. 
I mean, it, it doesn't seem possible, does it? We've had that much. Although there is a possibility of showers in northern England tonight, which may spread to parts of Wales, East Anglia and the North East, they say, don't worry, drought on the way. Quarter past five. Morning, everybody. 20 minutes past five is uh, the time. Poor old uh, Joanna. Joanna's not, uh, not in the real world. She doesn't understand what the law is between uh, running over animals. She wrote to uh, the Hampshire police to ask them, what is the law regarding ducks crossing a road? Obviously <laughs> got better things to do with the time. For example, somebody going round a line of traffic, then ploughing into them. You don't have to report anything like that. The only time you have to report... You can run over a cat on the road, and you don't need to report it. You can't run over a dog, though. You have to report a dog. So that's why you see lots of dead foxes and squirrels and everything else all over the place. Um, because they get caught up in the traffic, and some people deliberately go for them. But uh, if it's ducks... Uh, nine out of ten times, if they're sort of just holding up, because the ducks sometimes wander all over the place. And uh, there would be no law regarding, you know, if you were driving round a roundabout and you were sort of looking straight ahead, you're not going to see little ducklings crossing the road, are you? So uh, the answer is they end up... Um, oh, she also has a gay nephew, apparently. I don't know why that would be of any interest to anybody. But uh, she's decided to settle the entire world about it. Poor soul, honestly. She's getting there slowly but surely, but not, not that quickly. Uh, Gabby... Logan does two hours of yoga every day. Every day. Because what they've started doing now, because the, uh, the football is so boring, and because quite clearly, as you've just heard in the trail there, we don't, uh, we don't actually think we can play football, people were mentioning uh, the former Arsenal player Thierry Henry the other day, or Thierry Henry, as a lot of people prefer to pronounce him. If you come from, uh, from Newcastle, it's Thierry Henry. And he was wearing, in the middle of the heat... In Brazil, everybody else is wearing open-necked, plain white shirts. He opted for a cardigan. I mean, I have seen people in this weather going around with cardigans on. Um, and I thought, about, <clears throat> I thought to myself when I saw it, it's slightly odd. Claire Balding tweeted about it, saying that's the extent of her football analysis. He's wearing a cardigan. Until you realise that it's a Gucci cardigan and it will cost £505. I'm assuming he didn't pay for it. I'm assuming it's what's coming on the business as a freebie. And then they, the people wear it and they go, well, look, we've got all the coverage. They've actually got the... Because some people might like it. I could never quite bring myself to spend £505 on a cardigan. I always think for £505 you could actually get quite a lot of cardigans in Marks and Spencer. If indeed you're a cardigan person. I'm not necessarily a cardigan person, but I, I, I would favour them in the winter. I would. Uh, Steve says, can't TV weather people keep their opinions to themselves? I don't think hot weather is nice or pleasant. Like you, I prefer the cold. Yes, I mean, I, I don't... Uh, I think we spend far too much time indulging ourselves with the weather. Every time I turn on the television, there's yet another weatherman or woman saying, well, today it's going to be... I think, well, who cares? Who cares? Take a little umbrella with you or fell like, Just get wet. You know, unless it's going to be, there are going to be 500-foot waves smashing through London. I don't really care about it. We waste far too much time. None out of ten times, they're wrong anyway. Every time I read the weather and I go... I mean, like yesterday, they were saying, oh, it'll be so-and-so. Well, we had little drops of rain yesterday. But they don't, they don't tell you about that, do they? They just say, oh, it's going to be this. So today they've said, dry with long sunny periods developing, generally feeling warmer. Yuck from any of us. Yuck. You know, they always sort of remind people if there's going to be a high pollen count, but they don't care about thyroid people. A generally overcast start. Oh, well, not wrong there. It is overcast, but it is, let's face it, 25 past five. Um, then you'll have some long sunny periods, especially this afternoon. Many places feeling warmer compared to Monday, especially along the Kent coast. And tonight, dry and predominantly sunny this evening before the cloud arrives from the north overnight. Do you know, I've started getting really tired. I spoke to some friends of mine the other day and they've been saying it to me for weeks. And I keep going, well, perhaps you're just, perhaps you're overworking. 
But I've literally been getting to six o'clock and struggling to stay awake. Last night, I got to half past five. Half past five. And I thought, I'm really seriously struggling to stay awake. So I had to phone a friend of mine who I phone every night at six o'clock. Over the past week, though, it's been about quarter past five going, I'll have to catch you tomorrow. I can barely stay awake. Ridiculous, isn't it? I mean, it is good. Because I know some people, they say, oh, I wish I could sleep. I can't sleep at all. I'm an insomniac and I have to listen to the radio. And I was think, well, that's a good way. But what you have to do to make sure that you're not an insomniac is to get some fresh air during the daytime, to uh, not drink coffee or any stimulants before you go to bed. Try not to smoke. If you're overweight, you're not going to sleep properly. Uh, there's so many things you're supposed to be doing. But all I tend to find is if you wake up early in the morning, and I do wake up early in the morning, by the time it gets up, I was five the following day, I'm out for the count. What else we got today? The uh, the high 21 degrees. Double it, add 30. Gives you a rough idea where we're coming from. Uh, the low overnight, 14 degrees. Well, that's very warm overnight, isn't it? Very warm overnight. Uh, and tomorrow, largely cloudy, few light residual showers, whatever they are. Then mainly dry throughout the afternoon, sunny intervals developing. And wherever you are, I mean, I hope in Scotland it's going to be sunny. I hope in Manchester it's going to be uh, wonderfully sunny and in Birmingham and uh, Ireland and Scotland and Wales, because most of you enjoy... I realise I'm in a minority not enjoying the sunshine. I realise that I'm one of those odd people who doesn't, who doesn't like that kind of thing at all. Uh, over here, you were talking about a panther earlier, says Owen. Just so you know, a black panther is a leopard that has the dark pigment overpowering the ringlets one would see on a black and white leopard. Basically, a melanistic colour variant. Oh, thank you. Incidentally, thank you for everybody for telling me about melatonin. Somebody thinking that you could buy it in this country. Well, you certainly can't. It is absolutely illegal. It is on a, it's on a banned list. And I don't know why, because I've bought it before, but I bought it in America. And I bought it in Costco in America, because I suddenly remembered the other day where I bought the thing from. Melatonin. I tell you, there's one thing you can buy in America. It's so cheap. Green tea capsules. And because I remember my heart surgeon, my heart, everybody's heart surgeon, saying to them, um, say, say, saying to me, you must, you must drink green tea. Well, I tried green tea. It's very boring. It's very dull and very uninteresting. So I don't drink green tea anymore. But I bought the capsules thinking they would do me some good. And then I started worrying about how many ta- tablets I'm taking, whether or not they all counteract each other. So, so I'm, not, um, I'm not doing green tea capsules. I've got jars of the blooming things at home. I've probably got melatonin if I, if I put my mind to it. Immigrants must speak English, say Britons. They did a, a recent survey, and uh, most people in Britain think immigrants should speak English and have their access to benefits restricted. I think they think six, I think three years before claiming benefits. So in other, because that's what the majority of people come to this country for. They come here to claim benefits. They're not coming here for any other reason. You're not coming here for the weather, are you? Let's face it. You're not coming here for the uh, fantastic food that we have on offer because most of us can't afford to eat here. You know, so that's why we eat all the rubbish food. You know, if you want to eat in the posh restaurants, then that costs you an arm and a leg. So you're coming here for the benefits. But you should speak English. And that's the thing that holds a lot of people back. They don't make any effort to speak English. They don't make any effort to do anything. That's why the courts, the biggest increase in courts at the moment, is the amount of money we pay to interpreters. That's the biggest... The big, and you just have to take somebody's word for it that they are interpreting correctly. Because you're never going to know properly, are you? We had that case, I told you, in court, where we had um, an Asian interpreter in, but there was a guy on the jury, and he said, he's speaking a different dialect. 
He said, this man in, in the witness box is not being interpreted properly. And I suddenly realised, and we had to change the interpreter, because you suddenly realise that this man can change. Luckily, we had somebody on the jury who, who did speak the guy's language. But up until then, it was being interpreted, interpreted by somebody who wasn't doing a proper, accurate interpretation. It was just basically, but that wasn't basically, it was no use to us. We, we were trying something, for somebody for a serious crime. So that's where you're spending the most money. Uh, the Scots want to keep the BBC. They want to keep the trappings of British life, even if they vote to become independent, even if they vote. The British Social Attitude Survey found that nearly two-thirds of Scots would like to keep the Queen. Four out of five want to keep the pound, and only one in seven would lose the BBC. Well, they've got nothing else. If, if you took away the BBC, that's BBC Scotland out the window. I'd have saved us a bit of money. And, uh, I mean, no more haggis cooking programmes, country dancing, no more. And today, today we're going to the lock. You know, I mean, it's, you'd miss all of those wildlife programmes. Oh, look, today, a deer. You know, that's the kind of thing they look at. It's like you go to Austria, they do seriously have programmes with umpa bands. I mean, seriously, you turn on Austrian television, it's dire in the extreme. And Scottish television, today, we're in the kitchen, we're going to show you how to make something very interesting. Apple crumble? And that's, that would be our top-rated Scottish programme. It'll be a complaint. You could just tell, can't you? It's so funny. But of course they want to keep it. Because that's that's probably the biggest provider of jobs, and I should imagine the biggest provider of uh, of television programmes. I love stuff like that, though. I love I love local news. When they go, and now, news in your area. And all of a sudden you get something local. Ooh, there was an accident the other day. Somebody dropped six eggs outside the co-op. <gasps> no, shocking. I do that all the time. I'm always checking the local news to find out what's going on in our area. You know, and we, we have somebody who does actually... Uh, Twickerati at the moment. It tells you all the scandalous things going on in Twickenham. And believe you me, there are some pretty scandalous things going on in Twickenham. I love it. I think it's absolutely fantastic. I tweeted something the other day. Somebody said to me, can you tweet that you're proud to be a member of the Magic Circle? So I, I got my Magic Circle membership card, of which I am a member of the Inner Magic Circle, which is somewhat better than being a member of the Magic Circle. It's very nice. Very nice. Doesn't mean I'm any better than anybody else. But uh, I couldn't find how to photograph it because it's red with gold lettering. I had to get the lighting right. In the end, I had to put it in the bathroom on a set of cotton buds. I had to rest it on the cotton buds to actually, you know, make sure that you could see the thing properly. And so I, I, I did tweet it, and then a lot of people have retweeted, which I'm very good. Uh, Kevin the Milkman says, if ever you run over a duck... You'll have Jackie from Paddock Wood to answer to, so drive carefully. Oh, and you mentioned in the first hour about a man with a Rottweiler wearing socks with trainers. Take the dog out of the equation, and it's the best look, you know, because I am a fashion icon. <laughs> he was a little bit taller and thinner than you. A little bit taller and thinner than you. Quick time check. It's 5.30. Steve Allen on LBC. And the team with you at this morning for breakfast from seven as a major study into British attitudes into immigration is published. Nick will be asking, are our views on immigrants justified? Plus, what does the government have in store for our children's food as they overhaul school meals? And as the Chinese Premier meets David Cameron, should we be making friends with China? He's apparently going to attempt to justify their appalling human rights record. We've got it all wrong, he's going to say. Looking at the papers today, it's Yasmin Khan, broadcaster and playwright, so she'll have an opportunity of going through the papers. Have you bought tickets for concerts recently? Are you aware of the markup that the uh, that the ticket agencies give you? So they, the Witch magazine, who is the doyon uh, of all exposures when it comes to people roundly ripping you off, decided to go and buy tickets. They went through, I think, 17 ticket websites. 
85 bookings they made online, and uh, ordering through Stargreen meant a booking fee went on of £7 for, doing, for answering a telephone. They also charged £2.25 postage. So, in other words, 37% of the ticket's face value was added on so that they could line their own pockets. And, in fact, the consumer group, this is which, are now telling ticket websites to justify their fees. All the findings will be passed to the competitions and markets authorities. Consumers, they say, can often feel ripped off with widely varying and often high ticket charges, so we're putting companies on notice to step up. Six companies, Ticket Line, BH Live, Ticketmaster, Eventim, Stargreen and Gigantic, offer no free delivery option. Some brands even charge shoppers £3 for picking up the tickets from the box office themselves. I mean, it's appalling, isn't it, really? And if you think printing them off at home will be cheaper, think again. Four sites charge £2.50 for the privilege. Which started its Playfair on Ticket Fees campaign six months ago and have amassed 50,000 supporters. Many ticket websites now display additional charges up front. I still can't quite work out. If you book through Stargreen, there's a £7 booking fee. A £7 booking fee. And some of these companies actually charge you for collecting the ticket yourself. All they have to do is they just sort of... It's, it's on a computer, so the person at the other end can print off the ticket. And, they say, and that's £3. What, for printing off a ticket? It's absolutely scandalous. The watchdog has reminded these people uh, they were responsible for the prices charged, so they should be justifiable to us. We should know exactly what the charges are. And if you think it's too high, don't buy the tickets. On the other hand, it's like the touting side, isn't it? There are lots of touts outside every major event. Tickets? We get it at rugby. Tickets? Anybody want want tickets? Anybody selling tickets? They kind of take tickets up till the last minute. I always liked it. I did meet a guy once. I can't remember what his name was. Big fat bloke. Flashman. Stan Flashman. And uh, I don't even think he's with us anymore. I, th- I think he's, he's gone. But he was the acknowledged ticket tout of London. He, he could guarantee you a ticket for anything. You wanted a ticket for something, and he came in to be interviewed on LBC, and I was, far from being sort of unimpressed by him, I was fascinated by the fact that he... And I said, could you get tickets for anything? He said, yeah, anything. Anything, Steve, mate. And I said, said, I'm not your mate. And I said, um, I said, can you get tickets for the Queen's Garden Party? Yeah, I can get you tickets for the Queen's Garden Party. And he was quite matter-of-fact about it, that he knew people who had tickets for the Garden Party who would sell them to him... He would pay a good price for them, and then he would sell them on to me. So, for example, if somebody had a ticket, and they would say, what, what's a pair of tickets worth for the Queen's Garden Party? He'll say, well, it's worth, um, give you £500 for the pair. And he would then sell them to me for £3,000, because if I wanted to go to the Queen's Garden Party, I was get- he could get tickets for anything. You want tickets for the last night of the proms, for Glyndebourne, all the tickets you cannot get, you know, tickets for, all the events, Troop in the Colour. Have you tried to get tickets for Troop in the Colour? It's bad enough getting them for the last night of the proms. And you get the, and he could get the tickets. But you look at the markup nowadays, small wonder people, and there are people who've got the money to pay well over the odds. You want to go to the, the Grand Prix in Monaco? He could get you tickets. He's not interested in booking a hotel, but he can get you the tickets for it because he'll know somebody who's willing to sell their tickets. It's like trying to get people off the EasyJet flight or any of the other flights. They go, listen, we have two people here who really need to go to New York. The flight is full. Will anybody step forward and uh, go on a later flight? And we're offering £500 each. I'm there straight away. Yep, yep, that's for me. I take the money. I'll go and sit there and, and have a few drinks and a, and a curry or something. That'll do me fine. But it's, it's all money now. If you've got the money, then you can afford to do it. If you haven't got the money, then you sit there twiddling your thumbs, I suppose. 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. I'm currently running up and down the A1 to Newcastle, says Phil. 
uh, with aircraft fuel every day. They're starting to widen the road and make it into motorway all the way to Scotch Corner. We now... Uh, well, now where we cross the River Swale, they've uncovered a section of the original Roman road, Deer Street, and a settlement. You can even see the remains of what must have been a stone bridge. It's fascinating. And just think, I'm carrying goods alongside the same route that's been used for over 2,000 years. I found a pub the other day, the Princess Louise, in High Hoban. It's an original Victorian pub, complete with Victorian interiors. Now, I love stuff like that, because just down the road from here, just over the road, is a pub called the Salisbury. They used it for filming. It's uh, a traditional Victorian mirrored pub. If you go inside it... And over the years, it's been everything, the Salisbury. It was a gay pub for many years. Then it ended up with Australian management who didn't want it to be a gay pub, so they had deliberately rude bar staff to uh, to throw people out and to cause as much trouble as possible and make it difficult. So then it turned into a straight bar, although lots of gay people go in there anyway. But it's full of mirrors. It's a complete mirrored bar with a lovely staircase, which goes to, I've got no idea because you can't go up it. And it's really lovely. It is. I always say to people, go there. And then over the road is a little bit of Regency London, up uh, a little passageway. And so it's, it's always well worth going there. Always well worth going. Just to have a look. Concert tickets, says Connie, are just sometimes really too much. Thank God I had to pay just £65 for Culture Club for the December concert. But I couldn't see Julio Iglesias because the ticket price was over 120 quid. I think that's not fair to the fans. No, unfortunately, that's the price that they set. That's the price that they set. The theatre producer or the promoter of the show will set the price of the tickets. They'll say, you know, for example, you know, Steve Allen on tour. Steve Allen wants a million pounds. So the venue holds 5,000 people. You've got to work out exactly how much you've got to charge per ticket to cover the cost of hiring the hall, pay Steve Allen his million pounds and to make sure that his entourage all get the cream crackers and uh, Chelsea buns that they so demand and licorice wheels and stuff like that. That's on my rider. Plus some Belvedere vodka would be quite nice too as a little bit of a treat. But that's why. It's, it's, the, it's the fee that the artist charges. Miss Saigon, for example, is, uh, is, is, is a great production. Nobody known in it at all. Proving, Cameron McIntosh has proved this time and time again, that you don't have to have, you, you don't have to put people in shows with names because the public, the show will sell it. So in other words, you go and see Miss Saigon, you're going to see the show Miss Saigon. They brought it back, and I saw it first night when it first opened, Theatre Royal Drury Lane, and was blown away by it. They've improved on lots of little things in it. The helicopter, I think, is much better now than it was, but so clever. I mean, just a really, really good show, really good show. Bridget saw it and said, uh, I didn't see it when it was on originally. Oh, I've seen that show so many times, so many times. Absolutely love it. I knew half the cast at one point. I had friends in it. And uh, it was just great. You should get the, the making of Miss Saigon, because that's the best thing. When they were going out looking, they were trawling the Philippines to try and find a girl to play Kim. And then they found Leia Salonga, and her friend came over with her. And then when Leia Salonga moved on to New York, her friend took over the part of Kim. It's a superb production. This one is really, really good. It is, I mean, it is possibly in the rankings one of the best musicals of all time. I don't know what would be the best musical of all time. I suppose you'd be tempted to say something like Les Miserables, but there have been some really good ones over the years, some really, really good ones. Is the, is the proof of a good musical the fact it's still running? If so, it's Phantom of the Opera, because that's beautifully done. And again, that's a show that stands the test of time. Uh, Steve says the uh, problem with, with running over a family of ducks is that you're liable to be stuck with a load of bills. 
Thank you. Don't do any duck out of talk at this, uh, this bit of the month. Jackie and Paddock Wood will be absolutely apoplectic, which is not very good. Uh, 84850, Steve at LBC. Uh, somebody says BBC Scotland is all very well and lovely, but it's not Steve Allen show. I know. I know. We appeal to everybody. That's the good thing. I don't care. I love Scotland. Edinburgh, I went two years ago. Absolutely loved it. I'd like to go back there. I want to go to the, the tattoo. I really want to go to the tattoo. I watch it on the television. And I think Mike Oldfield did his tubular bells up there at Edinburgh. I think in the, in the castle grounds. I wanted to go and see that as well. I might have to buy that as a DVD. It's now, it's now jogged my memory for a DVD to buy. Another one, I'm afraid. Um, 84850. Steve said I'm off sick at the moment, so it's grateful uh, for the film The Magnificent Showman. Very good film, which wild away two hours. Yeah, I mean, to be honest with you, a jigsaw is better. A jigsaw is better. It's a good film. It's, it's OK. Actually, I bought, in a, I bought in a film today for Ronnie Corbett because he used to work with Danny LaRue at Danny's Club in Hanover Square. And I'm hoping that he, he remembers this. So uh, uh, our Miss Fred is out on DVD, so I've decided I'm going to give him a copy. If he hasn't, I'm going to say, have you got a copy of it? I'm going to say, you can have my copy. I shall buy another one so it can bring back some memories and him and his wife can sit there and reminisce of just how good Danny LaRue was. It's a great, great little British film, Our Miss Fred. Um, Steve, Scottish television, I'd rather watch paint dry. Do you remember Dr. Finley's casebook? Aye, Janet. Oh, Janet. Oh, Dr. Finley. I just love all those programmes. Anything to do with the Highlands? What was the one that Richard Bryars was in? That was a very good one, wasn't it? That would, which was set in the Highlands with Susan Hampshire, I think. No, I can't remember that one. The producers had a, a mind blockage. A mind blockage. Mind you, talking of mind blockages, I've got a little Nick Clegg story. I've got two little Nick Clegg stories for you for today. Uh, one is Nick Clegg getting a, a, bit, a bit iffy about yesterday when we were talking about the honours row. People have donated to the party. They just give them peerages. So it's a case of you give me £250,000, I'll give you a peerage. So as I say, hand them out like dolly mixtures. But uh, there's another story about Nick Clegg, who retains uh, a fondness for the orange men. Why is, why is that? I'll tell you in one moment. It's quarter to six. LBC. Morning, everybody. 11 minutes to six. Apparently the Netherlands' recent 5-1 thrashing of World Cup holder Spain will have pleased Nick Clegg, who retains a fondness for the Orange Men, thanks, of course, to his Dutch mother, Hermance van der Waalbeek. His immediate family, less so. Spicy Spanish-born wife Miriam Gonzalez supports her native Spain, as do the couple's three Spanish-named sons. In case you hadn't noticed, Miriam wears a lot of los pantalones at Casa Clegg. I bet they'll be talking about that. It's a shame, actually, he isn't in on Friday this week, because we, we would have played Uruguay by the time we get to Friday morning. He might have had some comment on that. I bet he's got some uh, comment on the honours. He says it's a slur on our donors. I don't see it as that way at all. I see it as cash for rewards. It's a case of, you know, can I have a peerage if I donate some money as well? Then I can be sort of, could be Lord Allen. Lord Allen of Leicester Square. I'd quite like to be that. Would I, would I insist on it being used? Of course I would insist on it. They'd have to change all the jingles. It would cost a small fortune. But uh, he doesn't see anything wrong with somebody giving... I don't see anything wrong with, with people donating money to the party. But uh, in an effort to sort of get more people to donate money, if you donate the money that they've donated, like Lord Palumbo, over a million pounds, they give you a peerage. It makes a mockery of the system. It's just... It's, it's for those rich people who want to fill up the House of Lords. It's not for anybody else at all, is it? 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. Uh, the bigger the star, the smaller the entourage, says Ian in San Diego. That's why Peter Andrek says 25 people all trailing behind him, doing what exactly I do not know. Yes, I mean, the bigger, you're quite right, the bigger the star, 
the smaller the entourage. Julie Andrews, two. Who was the other one we had in? We have, we've had some big Hollywood star. Uh, Dustin Hoffman, two. Two people. Um, I think Daniel Radcliffe, three people. That was somebody from his, his stylist, because he was being filmed for something else, and then two people from the, from the film company. You're right. Peter Andre, 20 people. He turned up on a, on a, a television cooking programme. The presenter said to me, 20 people. He turned up with 20 people. <laughs> what are you doing here? It's a sign of insecurity. It's just, I bet you anything, Ronnie Corbett today, if he, if he brings the wife, it'll be Ronnie, the wife, and somebody from, from the charity. I bet you, that'll be it. That's Ronnie Corbett. Amazing. Uh, jailed, the mum who invented six children to claim £43,000 in benefits. We now find them on a daily basis. And she taught other women how to do the same. She's been sent to prison for a year. She was saying, oh, I can't go to prison because I have actually legitimately got a child. And went, don't really care, actually. You know, last year... 1.4 million tax credit claims, or one in five, were being overpaid. Losses through fraud. Put at how much do you think? This woman, being just a very tiny little part of it, Angela Callahan, she taught other people to do it. £850 million a year tax fraud is costing. And that's for people like her responsible. £43,000 she was claiming in benefits. You see, I would be... I mean, put her in prison, go around, strip the house, put the kids into care. And then when they go, well, what do we do? They're saying, that, this is a result of what your mother does. Your mother is fraudulent. Your mother is a, is a thieving person. I mean, so what happens is, mothers already receiving tax credits would give her their passwords and bank details, and she would call the helpline, pretending to be them, and having recently given birth to twins, and this resulted in a backdated lump sum. In other words, you don't have to prove anything. They're so dumb at the benefit payment office. Seriously, it's that easy. You just have to make a phone call. I've just had twins. Oh, wait a minute. Yeah, okay, I've got to go and feed them. Okay, we'll backdate your payments. Thank you. End of story. End of story. No further proof required at all. And it went straight into the account. Nobody checked it. Nobody checked it. That's why we're in such a state. That's why the benefits office, I mean, there must be more fraud going on there than anywhere else. Don't start worrying about people on the outside. Start worrying about those on the inside. I mean, this one here, I mean, she started doing it, getting a, a kickback from them. Uh, she lives on a quiet street near Aintree Raincourse in Bootle. The property's been refurbished, apparently using the proceeds of fraud. She's got wrought iron gates, new patio, everything. It's hilarious. Absolutely hilarious. And then she goes, you can't send me to prison. I've got a, I've got a, um, a new child. Well, you're going to prison, I'm afraid. You're going to prison. Mind you, I wish they'd, they'd put this, uh, ghastly old baggage in, Sophie Dalzell. This is a so-called glamour model. I mean, if you really want to see how desperately sad this business is, look no further. She's attacked the police. Uh, she's got asbos against her before. She's quite clearly not a very nice person, as we've all discovered. And she, uh, she doesn't want to do any community service. Because it rains, and they make you do it in the rain, and it's not... And she's glamour model, so she's had her boobs enhanced, and uh, she's been uh, hauled back into court. But so far, nothing's been done to her. I mean, I would have her back in court and then send her on to prison. Let's not waste time with her anymore. Just ridiculous. Apparently, she gets paid a minimum of £500 for a photo shoot. She said the rest of the time she just chills out. She doesn't get £500 for a photo shoot. As with most of these people at the low-end rent of this particular tacky market that she's in, uh, they get paid very little... And that's why they end up having to be escorts. And for that read, they have to go into prostitution. They have to do all sorts of things. They end up doing drugs. They end up doing lots of drink. And it's a never-ending spiral, I'm afraid. It's deep depression. And then they end up on a television programme. She says, I don't think that the court should be able to put me on a community service because I find it too hard and tiring. Well, that's kind of tough, dear. If you've broken the law, you have to pay for it. I don't know why we're even bothering with this stupid woman. 
You know, she said at the time of the of the case, the tag on my ankle wouldn't look very good. It's an eyesore. Your appearance is everything. She needs to look in the mirror. I mean, it really is ghastly. It is absolutely ghastly. I don't think there could be anything as bad as this that I've seen in a in a long while. She says, I lost money to go to court as I'm self-employed. I want to see your tax bill, love. I really do. Can't wait to see how much the tax man's going to be asking for you. If you're, if you're claiming £500 every time, the tax man's going to have a field day with you. A field day. So £500 a time, and then she just slums around, really. And then she goes abroad to get uh, a boob job done. All on £500. It's amazing, isn't it? You must let us know the name of your accountant. I'm sure that the tax man will be investigating. They don't realise, these people. They don't realise. You go in the papers, you start bragging about how much money you make. You know, it's, it's interestingly enough, the sort of thing that the tax man goes, ring, 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 and I have to, to check. I have to check. Donald says, I've been... Sorry, I'm so tempted to go, Donald, where's your trousers? I was only listening to Andy Stewart the other day, who did a lovely song years ago called The Scottish Soldier. So that's about the extent of... And I know lots of Scottish reels, and I know Scottish music, and I'm a big fan of the Highlands and stuff like that. He says, anyway, I live on... um, I like listening to LBC online and on Sky for years here in the Western Isles, and I enjoy your efforts... I like that idea. This is an effort. It's a bit of a chore, isn't it, really? He says, I hope to continue regardless of the vote. I'm certainly not impressed with the service provided by the BBC or ITV on this side of the border. Read the weather. It is foggy and drizzly this morning. I've got the heating on. I'm having coffee and I'm smoking like a chimney. So I'm getting my will done today. I think that's a very, very good idea. You see, I imagine you living in a crofter's cottage, but I suspect, Donald, that you are not. I suspect it's probably in a little street. That sounds wonderful, doesn't it? I I like the idea that, you know, radio can reach out and touch people. It doesn't matter where you are. It doesn't matter what you've got. Whether you're tucked up under the duvet going, I really don't feel very well. Or whether you're sort of bouncing around like like Tigger, getting ready for the the day ahead. Uh, Dolly Parton tickets, O2 Arena. £11 convenience fee. No. Mind you, you see, I'm on, I'm on two minds over that. It is Dolly Parton. She can't go for much longer, can she? She does a lot of Christian songs in her act. I don't know if you've seen her act before, but there's a lot of Christian songs. And uh, she'll have her friend Judy with her. They're not lovers. She's pointed this out in all her interviews. They're just very, very good friends. And people turn it into kind of a dirty thing. And so, but uh, she can do no wrong as far as I'm concerned. You know, as, to look that trashy, as she said, takes time to look this bad. But people love her. She, I just love the way that she gets dressed on the coach. She gets off the aircraft, onto the coach. The coach takes her straight to the venue. They've already done the sound check. She doesn't do a sound check. She's way above sound checks. They give her the microphone, which is encrusted with Swarovski crystal. She goes on stage. How y'all doing? And off she goes. And we all go, it's Dolly Parton. I don't care. <laughs> 84850. Uh, the Mrs. Doubtfire impression this morning says David had me in tears while out with the dog. Yes, and he says I've only recently started listening to your show whilst walking the dog between five and half past. There's a slight worry, David, walking a dog at between five and half past in the morning. Kevin Spacey got into trouble for that one, you remember, out walking the dog at about 3.30 in the morning in a lonely London park. I thought it was a bit dangerous, to be honest with you. Eileen says Monarch of the Glen... That was that show, and that was the one the producer couldn't remember either, Eileen. So it's not just me having one of these senior moments, which they now call... They call it a senior moment, don't they, when you sit there thinking... And I, I do have quite a few of them, because I've got so much stuff that, it whiz, that is whizzing around in my mind that I can't remember any one thing. When I'm at home, I have to play games with myself. 
I like chess and rummy and stuff like that. Skittles, I've got any friends. And uh, I might start doing jigsaws, actually. But I always think that's a sign of really getting old. My neighbour, Lynn, does jigsaws. And she, told, she said to me the other day, she said, I've just recently bought a jigsaw. And I thought, oh, no. Don't go down the path of jigsaws, Lynn. We'll start walking past cemeteries going, well, that's a nice place, isn't it? It looks very peaceful and cool in there. Talking of cool, it's very cool in here. This one, very dark. I don't know why the studio, I've got all the lights on, but I feel it's a bit dark. It's this disco lighting that we've got going on in here. So wherever you are, it's a bit overcast this morning. And up in the Western Isles, it's a wee bit overcast and chilly. But don't you worry, because we've got more to come in the next part of Steve Allen's Early Breakfast. Only 30 minutes to go. I'm here until 6.30. Nick Ferrari's here with breakfast from 7. Coming up as well in the uh, last part of the programme, The Telegraph, the results of a new survey which reveals almost half of the UK's population think mass migration has harmed British culture. The Daily Mail says a glass of milk will have to be offered to every school pupil under new food standards outlined by the government. The Eye claims dwindling numbers of district nurses are threatening coalition commitments to expand care in the home. The Daily Mirror have the latest on the libel case against the former Portuguese police chief who claimed the parents of Madeleine McCann were involved in her disappearance. All of that and more from LBC. I'm Steve Allen. It's all up next. This is LBC, leading Britain's conversation with Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC. Text 84850. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. Five minutes past six. So we'll go through the front pages of the papers for you in a moment. I like the idea of a glass of milk have to be offered to every school pupil. I'm old enough to remember getting the little bottles of milk in the morning. I mean, most of you must remember these. And you you had a little bottle of milk, they were delivered, and we drank it. And then all of a sudden it disappeared from the agenda. Uh, Also, they've got the new food standards. They're going to sort of give you more vegetables but they're going to cut down on fried food. Only twice a week now, they've said, fried food. Also, district nurses. Dwindling numbers are threatening coalition commitments to expand care in the home. And the generous regenerate, Genesis regenerate, and the coffee that really does rev your engine. All of that and more this morning on LBC. With Steve Allen until 6.30. And I know listening to us over in California at the moment, we've got lots of people listening overseas. California, very popular. And uh, John, Elaine and David are in Morrow Bay, California. I have no idea where it is, but it sounds terribly exciting. Uh, Jeff is listening as well this morning. Lots of people um, (laughs) saying, are you really verified? I tell everybody I'm verified. I am, of course. Um, and uh, and happy to be so. 84850, steve at Uh We'll give you the run-through if you've just woken up on what Nick Ferrari is doing in the news at 7 o'clock this morning and the front pages of the papers. But generous, generous, can't even say it now, Genesis are regenerating themselves. I don't know why, perhaps all these old rockers sit at home and they go... Should we go out on tour? They go, yeah. You know that very soon there's going to be lots of other groups that have given up. So Gary Barlow and Take That will retire for a little while. Gary will make some money. The others will, the others will get sort of a bit desperate. And then they'll go, I tell you what, let's, let's go on tour and then we can regenerate ourselves. So Genesis, I have seen Phil Collins before and he was very, very good at the Royal Albert Hall. And so 43 years on. 43 years on. Peter Gabriel is 64. He had... Climbing up on Salisbury Hill. Phil Collins, 63, three times divorced. He's worth £115 million. Peter Gabriel, they say, is worth £41 Oh, good grief. Uh, Mike Rutherford 
is 63. They reckon he's worth 30 million. Apologies to any of the guys listening. They go, worth much more than 30 million. Steve Hackett uh, lives in Twickenham. He's got a... Well, wait a minute. He can't have any millions. Wait a minute. Where's Steve Hackett? Steve Hackett is number two. Oh, right. I should have to start looking out for him in Twickenham. Because he's living in a £440,000 flat in Twickenham. So he's had uh, 20, 35 solo albums. He left Genesis in 77. And uh, that was it. But everybody else, they say, have got millions and millions, except Steve Hackett. Tony Banks... £1.5 million house in Surrey. Mike Rutherford, though, £30 million and a £1.3 million house in Surrey. Phil Collins is the one who is a tax exile in Switzerland. Took over vocals from Peter Gabriel. He used to dress up as a flower. Do you remember that? And perhaps you, d- you don't remember. It's like when Leo Sayer first started. He used to dress up as a, as a Piero from the end of the Pier shows. But it'll be nice to see uh, Genesis back together. But they're looking forward to it, too. I should imagine it could be uh, could be lots of money. Combined ages, three hundred and eighteen, uh, and ten marriages between them. Ten marriages between them. I'm trying to find out where Steve Hackett lives now because I mean a four hundred and forty thousand pound flat in Twickenham. That's about average Twickenham. That's about average Twickenham. So I'm trying to think where he is going to be. Where is it going to be? We shall we shall find out, ladies and gentlemen. Well, this is the drink that gets everybody going in the morning. How many times do you hear people saying they'll either write into me or they'll say, Oh, I'm just sitting in the kitchen, as we did earlier on from Donald, cup of coffee, cigarette going. And now there is uh, the new coffee powering up our car engines. Not necessarily you, but the car engine. Scientists have successfully created fuel from waste coffee grounds, of which millions of tonnes are thrown away each year worldwide. Experts at the University of Bath found coffee has been the and has the relevant physical properties of fuel and could be a viable source of blow diesel or blood blow diesel i think that's what it's called so i mean we've seen them using oil haven't we in car engines before uh, oil that's been used for cooking chips so i see no reason why they couldn't actually use coffee as well they might as well use it for something we throw away tons of the stuff absolutely tons of it every year and then a lot of it gets recycled and sold on to other places who can't afford to you know, have proper coffee. But you can always use it. I've noticed that pret a have a little van. They recycle all their food and give it to the homeless. So it becomes out of date. And then they sell it. I did have to go into pret a the other day. I find it a deeply upsetting experience. You know, the, the overbearing staff, um, all of whom appear to be either Polish or Czechoslovakian, which I don't mind, but um, I haven't seen anybody English in any... There's one English woman in the one over the road here. Because you remember Nick Ferrari did a feature on... And why there's nobody English working in there? They only seem to, and it seems to run through all the coffee shops. I suppose because it probably pays quite well. If you go back to Poland, working in a coffee shop wouldn't pay very much. Over here, it's a living wage. And so they, they have their coffee. I must find out whether Starbucks are missing money in Twickenham. Now they've moved the bus stops. That'd be a good one to find out about. And, and now I worry about food poisoning. A friend of mine just recently came back from Tel Aviv, got food poisoning over there, became incredibly ill. And it's not just tummy upsets. This you need to heed. I know that Clive Bull talked about this yesterday and Duncan Barks talked about this yesterday. But there's a huge feature in the Daily Mail today. This is, so it's not just the tummy upsets. This is arthritis, eye pain, nerve damage. Washing chicken could wreck your health for years. That's what we were always told, isn't it? I, somebody said to me, I brought uh, fruit in today, some strawberries, which I'm not a huge fan of. I do eat a little, but not a huge amount of strawberries. And somebody said, have you washed them? I said, no. We never used to wash things like that. I've got strawberries in hanging baskets at home, and the neighbours are happily picking them. They're not, I don't think they're washing them first. They might be, I don't know. I haven't used any 
pesticides, and I wouldn't, I don't use any pesticides in the, in the garden at all. And I never thought about washing chicken, which could wreck your health for years. I just assumed that if you, if you actually put something in the oven, the heat will kill any of the bacteria. And that's what they've said. Don't, don't, don't worry about it. Any water in there or bacteria, it will be killed off by the heat in the oven. So don't wash it because there's germs that come out of the water. And so you could become ill that way. And you do see people washing it, don't you? 84850. My, uh, my brother, says Alice, paid £150 to see Prince. You see, I, wouldn't, I couldn't spend £150, but I would think that would be too much money. I really would. Uh, Eddie says, uh, can you please do the next half hour of your programme in the Scottish accent? So this isn't, this isn't request hour. This isn't, you know, can you, can you please... And I, actually, I wasn't doing Mrs Doubtfire. I was doing Prince Charles. I'm sorry if it sounded like Mrs Doubtfire. You push your name, don't fail. Sounds like that. Exactly the same as Hello, I'm Steve Allen. It sounds exactly the same. If I only have the one voice... Sort of just trying to trying to sort of move it up a little bit to two. Um, Margaret says, Exeter Tunnel. Saw it on our local news yesterday. The author of the book on the tunnel gave us a little guided tour, not for claustrophobics. Andrew says, Richard Bryars was in Monarch of the Glen. I know even Christian upstairs knew it was Monarch of the Glen. Now, what, what sign that of a misspent afternoon? Monarch of the Glen and Christian. I mean, it just, it just doesn't not go together at all. Darren knows it's Richard Bryars. And uh, Michael says, uh, I went to see Miss Saigon a couple of week, uh, weeks ago. I was bored in the first half. Really? I thought the, I think it's brilliant. I love the show. Len in Manchester. And uh, there's another one here. Um, yeah, Daryl says, Lord Allen of Leicester Square. Hmm. I think it's got a ring to it, hasn't it? I have to donate to Nick Clegg. But I reckon about 300,000 quid should get me a peerage. And once you've got it, it's a licence to do anything. You know, 250 grand. I could park the car wherever I want. Lord, I could just be anything, absolutely anything. Um, somebody says the programme is called Monarch of the Glen. Uh, Via Gogo charged £22.50 booking fee. I wanted to buy a ticket for the darts at Alexandra Palace. The ticket was only 20 quid. How can they justify turning over 100% for the booking fee? I tried to book another ticket for a football match. It was the same cost for the booking fee. I know, it's, that's how they make their money. They make their money... On the booking fees. I mean, it's it's just terribly, terribly expensive. Quarter past six. Nick Ferrari and the team with you at seven o'clock this morning on LBC. As a major study into British attitudes in immigration is published, Nick will be asking, are our views on immigrants justified? Plus, what do the government have in store for our children's food as they overhaul school meals? And as the Chinese Premier meets David Cameron, should we be making friends with China? Yasmin Khan, the broadcaster and playwright, is looking through the papers this morning for Nick Ferrari. Uh, Naomi says, you mentioned senior moments, Steve. May I suggest these should infer, uh, should be referred to as intellectual overload? Brilliant, brilliant. Uh, senior moments <coughs> it does kind of infer that it's all falling apart, doesn't it? Whereas intellectual overload means that you've got so much going on inside your head. Uh, I'm 39, just like you, says Dan. I remember the bottles of milk. But then I would. The girls get cartons of milk now and love it. Do you know, I was only... Funny you should mention milk this morning. Or funny I should mention milk and then you mention milk, Dan. Who's going to be driving the team home in the bus. It's good, isn't it? He's offered to drive them home in the bus. So should see him back on about Friday morning, I reckon. Um, and I was thinking to myself, at one time, I would keep milk in the fridge. I still keep milk in the fridge now for coffee and for tea. But I haven't had a glass of milk for ages. And I drink semi-skimmed. 
in my tea because somebody said it's better for you than full fat. So I've been, it doesn't seem to make any difference at all. I've been, all these sort of half this, half that, and less fat here. And less, it's like I walked past, was it a Burger King? And they said, our, f- our chips have got less fat on. I thought, what a load of rubbish, honestly. It's only because they're fatter chips. So, of course, they're bound to have less fat on there. But, I mean, don't ever be mistaken into thinking you can eat chips all day and you'll lose weight because you won't. It's as simple as that. And so I was thinking, I haven't had a glass of milk for ages and ages and ages. And I don't know why. It's not that I've gone off drinking milk. It's just that I've, I've thought better of it. I've just put coconut water in the fridge from yesterday. I bought six cartons of coconut water, which got lots of potassium in which is very good for you. Not, ev- not to everybody's taste, but, uh, but to my taste. And also, you shouldn't drink it all the time. You should only have it every so often. Uh, Mike says, I was working at the Golders Green Hippodrome in the 60s as a board operator, which is lighting. And we did the stage version of Armist Fred called Come Spy With Me. It then moved to the Whitehall Theatre. Oh, that was the, oh, was that the same thing? Come Spy With Me. Oh, right. There you go. Danny LaRue. Much missed. Much, much missed. Uh, every New Year's Eve, Andy Stewart and Moira Anderson presented the White Heather Club. Glorious black and white, but they still wore the tartan kilt, says Colin. Yes, I know. I used to watch the White Heather Club. And uh, there'd always be a reel in the middle. It was all good stuff, actually. I, I love anything like that. Biodiesel made me laugh, said uh, Anthony. <laughs> he says, a fellow MMC. Excuse me, I'm M-I-M-C. Member of the Inner Magic Circle. <laughs> nice of you to try and align yourself with me at the same time, I suppose. <laughs> Very quickly, let's try and uh, try and finish up with your uh, your text messages for this morning. Been very funny this morning. Some of you, some of you, not so funny, but most of you. I was in A and E for four hours. Drunks. It was a nightmare. Says Dom. The nurse asked me to turn the radio off on my phone. I said, No way. I need my tonic. Steve Allen. They'll all be listening at St Thomas's Hospital. Uh, LBC, me too. Are we getting too old? £150 for any concert ticket seems a lot of money. Carol says, uh, hi, Steve. Jigsaws, don't worry. The time to panic is when you start to listen to the archers. Oh, that means you're really old, doesn't it? That means you're practically borderline, you know, calling up the funeral home. (laughs) Winnie says, I was a milk monitor in the 1960s at my primary school. We had a dumpy little one-third pint bottles, gorgeous, and cold in the winter. The ice pushed the foil lids up. In the summer, it was warm and we all felt sick. I said, milk monitor, isn't that good? Angela says, you remember the mini milk bottles, Steve, and Mrs Thatcher, milk snatcher. I remember free school milk, says Steve, in the 60s. I once managed to drink three bottles in quick succession. Yes, it was was a bit, um, it was a bit yucky at times, but they were little tiny glass bottles. They were really, really cute, and I'm sure it was good for you. I'm sure it was good for you. Uh, and Dorman Dorman says, laying on my bed, he says, you're actually making me laugh today. Not good for the stitches. Because he, he works as a doorman, quite clearly, as Dorman Dom. But he got knifed the other night. Eight stitches. Not good at all. Uh, presumably Genesis are renaming themselves Reincarnation. <laughs> the under five still get free school milk, Steve, but it's in cartons now, says Kevin Milkman. Not proper bottles at all. You know, I used to love proper milk bottles and washing them out. And we used to have a big bag under the sink, plastic bag with all the bottle tops in, which we save for guide dogs. Although what they turn them into, I've got no idea. I suppose you just give bottle tops to guide dogs and then they sort of make them into interesting shapes. I don't know what else can they do with them. That was always a good thing. We're saving up for a guide dog. Uh, the little bottles of milk were horrible, says Carol. They used to keep the crate in front of the radiator and the milk was always warm with a th- thick topping of cream. That sounds disgusting, doesn't it? It's, but it was good. I used to run the school tuck shop, which meant bringing a table out from one of the classes and then putting snowballs and crisps on the top and people would line up. Oh, the days they used to line up. Remember that? 
Jim says, who's going to be drumming with Genesis? As Phil Collins can't drum anymore, he's got a wrist and hand injury. He didn't play on his covers album, Going Back. Or perhaps he's, perhaps he's having it strapped up for the occasion. I don't know. I'm assuming something will happen, unless he's just going to walk on stage and smile at everybody. I can't see that, can't see that working out at all. Uh, front pages of the, uh, the papers. Iraq makes the front of the Times. It says, America is prepared to put decades of hostility aside and hold talks with Iran in a bid to end the violence. The Independent, similar story. It says Britain could reopen its embassy in Tehran because of a shared interest in stabilising Iraq. The Telegraph have the results of a new survey which reveals almost half of the UK's population think mass migration has harmed British culture. The Daily Mail talks about that glass of milk which will have to be offered to every school pupil under new food standards outlined by the government. The Eye claims dwindling numbers of district nurses are threatening coalition commitments to expand care in the home. The Daily Mirror, the latest on the libel case against the former Portuguese police chief who claimed the parents of Madeleine McCann were involved in her disappearance. Britons will get more for their money when they travel abroad this summer, thanks to the soaring pound. That's the story running in the Express. The Guardian, leading with its own poll, which shows just one in five voters feel they are benefiting from an improved economy. Financial Times says David Cameron's campaign to stop Jean-Claude Juncker from being appointed European Commission President has been challenged by Germany. The Sun talks about the 28-year-old surrogate mum jailed for more than three years for fraud for pretending to be pregnant. And the Star have a story about the England football team's hotel in Rio de Janeiro. I shall let them save that for you. Thank you very much indeed for your uh, time this morning. We do it again tomorrow morning. We have a free podcast for you up in less than half an hour's time. It's because the Only Way's Essex is heading back to your poor television screens that most of the dreary showbiz stories today will be about the cast of TOWIE. Yes, the good, the bad, the ugly, the fat, the downright ridiculous, they all feature on your free podcast for today. So we'll have that, and then the programme will be available for a download. Also, I hope, just before... Seven o'clock. Enjoy the papers today. Don't water the chickens. Don't wash the chickens before you cook them. Just sort of go and buy them and cook them. Uh, lots of stories about the mini wars. Mel B and Cheryl, both in short skirts, just that they're both looking a little bit ancient for that kind of thing now. And a very small crowd turned up to welcome Cheryl back. That'll be Cheryl, who doesn't actually say very much. I'm back tomorrow from four. If you missed any of today's show, you can go to our new podcast service and download the app from the LBC website. Later on LBC, Nick Ferrari's here from seven. Next, Lisa Aziz with the morning news.